covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier. Welcome in, fans of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast. Zach Heilman in here alongside my good buddy, co-host, pal, friend of mine, Jim Bernier. As we have come out of week one on the other side, have plenty to discuss, react to, uh, debate on, really just on that week alone. We've got week two previews we've got to do here. we got an interview with you that we're going to be giving you guys here in just a little bit in the show, so stick around for that. Um, Jim, how you doing? Week one thoughts, man. Let's, just ju- let's jump into this right now. How, how, how'd you think of week one? First week Ironman in the NAL, first week of Ironman back in any league in several years. How you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, it's perfect. Get a show going. Got a great guest. Iron Man football week one. I think it's still caught in the rush hour traffic at five o'clock in the afternoon in your local city. Um, there's points that were, you know, <laughs> uh, hello, it's week one. Like, let's go. Uh, but there's also points. <laughs> in the game. There are some points in certain on these games where we went a good three or four possessions with steady play. Then we went through points where it completely stopped like a traffic jam. Sure. Um, sure. But it's week one, like we've always said in any sport week one, you get jitters. And eventually as the season progresses, it gets better. I'm not the type of person that's going to like bash the league and like, what the heck are you doing? They know <laughs> like we're not beating. We're not going to beat a dead horse when they know. Um, if you watched the stream last week in San Antonio, the commissioner knows. Um, it's like the chatter, all the chatter boxes and the messages we've been getting. We know. They know. Uh, but we're all stuck in afternoon traffic. That's my the image I want you guys to see. That's what's going on. We're stuck in traffic right now because it's an early process. We were stupid to go leave for our thing during rush hour. No one's going to get caught in traffic. So, <laughs> But overall... The gameplay, like we saw, we saw some great plays this past weekend. Uh, we possibly have seen maybe the emergence of a new contender for the title uh, that we thought wasn't going to be that case in the offseason. Uh, we saw extremely great quarterback play between two individuals. Um, we saw a new rookie quarterback get his own feeling and taste of yep. a matchup in Columbus that, honestly, I feel pretty good about. Uh, our guest will tell you the reasons why he feels good about him. And it's intriguing that we're here in week one. And honestly, with all the, the hiccups and the illegal substitution, which is the name of our show today, it's only week one jitters. I'm not going to be a person like, abandon ship. It's over. Let's go. Remember to bring the rum, but let's abandon ship. Um, but no, it's week one, new rules. Uh, Remember, these. this is the first time these refs are doing it, too, uh, especially because they did the NAL last year, which was just normal offense, you know, normal offense, defense, special teams. Mm-hmm. A lot of these teams, like I, I, we mentioned, the team that gets the formula correct first will jump out of the gate easily correct. and, you know, go on a little winning streak. We might have seen that in, in between two teams that played each other in the same week. Of course, you're going to have a winner and loser. But it's not in the city that you guys think um, that's the obvious. We were going to surprise you. Um, but, yeah, overall, Iron Man's just – honestly, dude, it's – I'm not panicking. I know a lot of our listeners want us to be really critique on the situation. I'm not going to tr- critique a product that hasn't shown 
it's evolution into the game yet. It's still early. Tell come back to me week six, week seven, and we're still in the same situation. Then you're here, Mike Critiquing. But right now, we still got the arena game, and we still saw some moments this week in San Antonio and Columbus and in Albany that make you see, yes, this is this is the superior arena game. And right now for week one, yeah, there were some things that we'll talk about, but slowdowns and stuff, but that's stuff that you can fix very easily. Mm-hmm. And it's not like you got to fix the gameplay. The game, the play of the game was not an issue. It was just the stoppage and slowage of time. And a couple of teams not fully understanding the rules just yet, but over time that will be fixed. Yeah. You, you took the words right out of my mouth. It's, it's week one. Uh, I think this was a worry for some about how this would be adapted into a live game scenario. You can talk about Iron Man all you want, but until you get back into it and you have everybody working in sync on how to operate this entire right. setup again, uh, we weren't going to be, I don't think we were going to have it running smoothly unless they were having to practice it, even with officials on and on and on, which yeah. unless I, nothing I can tell was the case. So, you know, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent surprised. Um, I know for some people it was like, well, dang, I mean, all the slowdowns, you know, could have been, I wish were avoided. I know in Albany, for example, there are several reviews on the subject on certain substitutions. We had a few penalties, of course, for that case, actually a kicker. I mean, TC Stevens getting removed because of an accidental substitution was uh, something I, that I had to second guess. I thought he was injured and he got taken out, but I had to sit there and I'm going, Oh wait a minute! This is that that's actually because of the Iron Man setup yeah. that they had to do that. So a, a little confusion there. Now credit, you know, uh, some of that is depending on the coaches. Some other teams looked a little more prepared for that. Apparently, um, it's just the games were affected be for other issues. So like Albany and Carolina felt like that one. I think you know it feels like Coach Rez and Manas maybe or the crew that was there have to work out a few things on how the substitutions were because it felt like a little discombobulated. I'm assuming all, all Empire fans do not feel happy after that week one performance because even with the substitutions, like my my first response off that game was wow that was a little sloppy uh, even for the talent that they have on there. There's some stuff they can clean up. Coach Manas I think definitely knows that. Uh, I'm sure I'm assuming you and I know that. Uh, Levesque and Gaz definitely know that over there. Um, so we'll be seeing that this week. They got a test with Jacksonville, who, by the way, talk about a team that I thought was right on the cusp of their victory, um, but grabbing the grabbing defeat yeah. out of the jaws of victory that is uh, in Columbus because many miscues over there, penalties as well, throwing that game off, getting a bit of a chippy one, kind of uh, expected between those two longtime rivals in the NAL at this point. Um, but you know, I will admit QB that you're referencing Malik Henry definitely showed his chops. Uh, it has me excited for the sharks. I'd been wanting to see him, how you perform in a pocket presence, you know, less, uh, less, uh, of course, running quarterback elements in the NAL than other, other indoor leagues across the country. So did a good job. I was overall pretty impressed. And what I was also impressed with is, you know, as much as I know penalties did have help with some bailing outs at times, um, Darren Daniel, Came right in, proved me that he was ready to go with the short week and with the flip over with Mason moving on to DePaul University. Um, good stuff. I, w- I would say that they're in good hands. And that roster, like we talked about, Jason Gibson, he prepares his teams. What, what, what can we say at this point anymore? You know, dude knows how to get them ready to play. Came out on top. Exciting game in overtime at the end there, nonetheless. Um, I want to save this one for you because I don't want to just, just to pivot here for the final game in our calendar. What do you think of San Antonio? I mean, it was an eight point contest to end. 
things definitely looked a little dire at halftime, but uh, uh, for the San Antonio, if this was, let's say, week five, week six of a season, I'll look at San Antonio and go, you have a lot of issues to take care of on the field. We're only talking about the on-field product, ladies and gentlemen. But overall, that first game against Orlando was very sluggish. They didn't it, – it felt like San Antonio couldn't get out of their own way. And Orlando was basically saying, no, here, have another try, have another try, have another try, have another try. Um, but for overall, for San Antonio, you get introduced to these players so far. And for me, it felt like they were introduced to the game just like us, Iron mm-hmm. Man game, and they were they're stuck right in mold. Like, they didn't know what to do. But I did know about – San Antonio is their offense. Like we mentioned before, like I was like, you know, we don't see a lot of film on them. We didn't know what they're going to do. They ran a, I think, more shotgun plays in one game than yep. it's ever done in NAL all in its history. Plenty of shotgun. Um, there was a couple plays where the quarterback threw the needle on a couple uh, down routes and corner routes. But overall, the worry that we, both of us had on San Antonio showed itself in the second half. It looked like they were a little bit outgunned and they were getting kind of, they were honestly in every type of football game, you win the line of scrimmage. They were losing the line of scrimmage the entire night. And yes, the score was only an eight point game, but at one point, it looked like Orlando was going to put them away early. And they fought back in the second half. You can tell that the game slowed down from maybe that's because Orlando was getting the mixture between throwing Cato and Connor Kagi in the mix, could have, you know, disrupt the, you know, the, I want to say the momentum of the game for Orlando. Uh, but for overall, for San Antonio, for like me and you both stayed early last week, we thought this was going to be the ugliest game out of the, out of the three. I, I said it was going to be Jackson with Columbus, but that turned out to be kind of ugly, even though it was overtime. Right. But San Antonio didn't disappoint me on, on, field, on the field itself, the game. But I can look at San Antonio right now just off of week one and go, man, they need a get-right game to get everything back together because they, they kind of found their edge towards the halftime in the second half. But it could have been because Orlando was already far enough ahead that the game would – Orlando did an epic collapse and lose that game. But problem with San Antonio, their get-right game is, what, Columbus? And that's next week? I don't think that's a get-right game for San Antonio. I think Columbus wow. – that's that's gonna be a matchup to be again. Was that game was that game against Orlando just a oh crap, we're not prepared, or oh crap, do we need to make some switches to compete, maybe add some players for free agency to get us up to par? Um, but overall, that first half looked real ugly for San Antonio. It looked like they were just gonna get boat raced out of that building. And they fought back in the second half, and I'm a, I was pretty impressed. And overall, I, out of the three games, the one game I had the biggest question mark was in San Antonio. Now, the three games, they're not the only question mark that's left in the National Arena League. A lot more have popped up around the well, league. Yeah, I mean, they're, I think that was one we were – I think we had made a lot of certainty. And honestly, I, looking back at the second half of it, you know, I, I know Orlando, they decided to switch things up, and they gave Kagey a little bit of time to go in as well. Um, but I'll tell you, man, I mean, 
the gunslingers were honestly they had chances to pull that pull off the comeback i mean mm-hmm. they got seven ish minutes left in the fourth quarter they got stopped pretty much when they're within the orlando five yeah and then were able to get a quick turnover and go up for a score and just were down by eight still had time to make another stop so um i mean even with that being said switching up qbs and not i'll give them some props you know they definitely were we're fighting till the end um i hope to keep seeing that you know build upon that of course um orlando is of course built much more as a defensively heavy team uh does have of course those out has of course plenty of outside weapons if needed um i will mention though uh i don't know if it's just one thing or another but I mean, we thought we were talking about this last week, how Cato's been in this in with this team since kind of the early going. He was supposed to be a backup projected behind EJ Hilliard. Um, he started the game out. He did get swapped out. Stick with Cato unless, you know, I think you have some. I, I, I'm not 100 percent in Jeff Higgins mind, so I can't fully go with that. But stick with Akeem Cato. He was definitely more efficient on the field. He was definitely one making more of the plays. His scramble ability um as much as the nal is not really well suited for scrambling quarterbacks as much yeah. it actually helped him a, quite a bit especially maneuvering the pocket so uh i would say he fits the best out of the two yeah. and definitely seems the most comfortable in this offense out of the two as well uh, especially after this week you know offense to san antonio but you know the the top four of the league are going to give you a heavier fight you know right right out of the gate you know again the gunslingers they can take this year, build upon what they got, you know, that's where I'm putting them at, you know, and I take it as steps every week or successes for them. Um, and I hope that, and I hope that sooner, and I'm hoping that that first win comes sooner rather than later, of course, and that's for every team. Um, yeah. but I think we knew this was going to be for them with the upper level of competition. We're going to be feeling them out a lot. Um, Orlando, this is kind of a, for them, a little bit of a tune-up game. It looked like, uh, but they're definitely this, this coming week against Carolina going to care going to greensboro you know you're gonna that's not a tune-up <laughs> yeah i mean it's time to it's time to use your best the best of your best so Cato's the guy right there um something else that stuck out this week going back to speaking of carolina going back to that empire game um last year for the empire with even with their even with the normal setup of arena non-iron man i felt at times their defense was kind of leaky and it would let something slip out behind mm-hmm that felt like it was exemplified even more so. And I don't know if that's just players getting used to their new roles on the system or what, but there are at least two. And I think max three times I can recall two for sure, where you have Kendrick Kings going into the going 15 yards downfield with no one around him. And it's just Jonathan Bain giving a quick Chuck and he's right there. And I'm man, I'm like, man, you can't multiple ones of those in that game. You got a lot to clean up in a week because that's going to, I mean, Sure, you can play offense, you can do what you want, but if you have what was the inconsistent performance that the Empire offense had for the most part in that first contest, because it looked like at times Faithful was a little bit jarred to start the game. He got settled in late, but it was almost too little too late at for how that game yeah. flow progressed. That's gonna kill you. Um, things are gonna have to get solved really quick. And you know. That, I mean, that's what we were expecting coming out of the gate. They they signed a lot of guys that were skill position guys that they were going to probably be tuning over or trying yeah. to have fit into the pegs. Um, and it, it did seem to show a little bit week one it, for them. What's strange is all three of these games had a similar narrative, but approach to the final outcome multiple ways. In Albany, Carolina went up there, smacked them around, 
for three quarters, mm-hmm. basically. I think Carolina didn't score a point in the fourth quarter, if I'm right. And Albany caught up at the very end, made it kind of competitive, but it was still it was still to a point where there wasn't going to be a comeback complete uh, a comeback to win the game. What you right. mentioned about the leakage of defense, they were Jacksonville kind of exposed them last year uh, with their defense, but it's the arena game, and the arena game is very weird where you can give up 21 points in a quarter and be down 21 nothing, and still win the game by 21. Sure. Um, but it seems like last year we had the Lions go up against Albany, and we thought these were the two best teams in the league, and turned out they played each other again in the championship game. But Albany or Columbus just ran out of the gas. Like They missed a lot of extra points. They missed a lot of uh, key specialist plays that cost them the game because they actually scored more touchdowns than Albany and lost. Um, but in this game, this whole offseason, me and you have had Carolina and Albany in the top two of our power rankings all offseason. We've been telling you, the NAL fans, all year, watch out for Carolina. Don't overlook them. The narrative that we've been feeling getting from Albany fans this whole offseason is like, we're going to do our, do our thing and go through this league again. They got their ego punched in this weekend. By the team that we said on this podcast multiple times, watch out for. They had their roster equal to Albany. It was definitely a gut check in front of that nice home audience. They had a good, they had a solid crowd uh, come out for that banner drop. I mean, and we're talking even like last year, you know, that whole rushed year, like good start for their season this year, getting fans out to there. But yeah, you're going to want to give a better performance come May 21st or at least start building on that because. Yeah, like I said, that like Mike Faithful looked a little jarred at times behind the pocket. Uh, there were some miscues or things that did not go well for them. Honestly, the one of the main miscues that in terms of game flow, especially with how the Empire had been showing that you know defense was kind of leaky there, they weren't really able to keep the Cobras at bay. The end of the first half, they couldn't. They failed to convert a touchdown on the three on the Cobras three yard line, down yeah. six going into halftime. That instantly throws things off. That's one possession lost right there, which is, as we've said in the past, even more crucial in the 50-yard version than it is in the outdoor version. You know, and the Cobras got the ball back, so they extended, of course, next drive to two scores. Playing catch up like that with your defense not playing up to par, yeah, that wasn't that's not a good recipe to help you. And Jonathan Bain playing, well, I can't say near perfect game, but playing a damn good game. Oh yeah, he made a couple. He he did throw a couple of interceptions. That happens in the arena game, but mm-hmm. it didn't lose his swagger. His receivers were wide up and down the field. DJ Myers, Kendrick Ings, James Summers, they were just torching him. And the defensive issue for Albany was exposed early in the game. And I don't think – I don't say that's bad because Albany doesn't have good players. They have great players. They have a talented roster. Manassas oh, yes. going to get them right. They're going to win a lot of football games this season. They're going to play Carolina two more times. I guarantee they're going to win at least one more of those two games. Um, it's just – Sometimes a season's odd. Like in 2019, the Jacksonville Sharks lost their opening game to the New York Streets. Yeah, the New York Streets. And didn't end up winning it all. Um, The Carolina Cobras won their title in 2018, lost the opening game. In uh, 2018, they lost Jacksonville the opening game and went on to win it all. It's like week one doesn't determine anything in any league. Look at 
the big football league in the United States, the National Football League. Five of the last seven Super Bowl champions have lost on opening day the next week. Did they go on and win the Super Bowl? Uh, when the Patriots did that one year, but that was mm-hmm. just it. Um, it's very hard to determine the season off of week one. When I saw this game, before we get Coach Manos and the guys in care, and Albany on our backs, you guys have a good roster. You have a damn good roster. This week, this roster that we told you guys to watch out for had the upper hand. And it's not because Zach Brown was kicking you know, kickoffs. Um, it was, it's, it's because penalties kill, turnovers kill. Carolina capitalized on the turnovers. Albany did not. And that was the determining factor of the game, in my opinion. It doesn't mean that next week Jacksonville will capitalize on the same plays. No, it just means that there are little things that need to be corrected. And Albany is still a good team. If if the script follows last year's script, Carolina and Albany are going to dominate everyone in this league and play each other for the NAL championship either. And right now it will be Greensboro because they had had headed. Um, But they played two more times. One more time in Greensboro, and one more t- or one more time in Greensboro and Albany. So, so you can say it's a best of three series, kind of. Uh, but yeah, that game in Albany, when the game played and when how the game was going out throughout the night, I was like, these are clearly the two best teams in the league, just based off of rosters. Not knowing watching my game, Jacksonville or Columbus, which the Sharks are playing, and San Antonio and Orlando. But here is a statement I want to say for the whole league. Albany and Carolina have the best rosters. The substitution rule hurt both teams somehow in some way, but that's easy fixes. But right now, I think the best Ironman teams that are built and stay right now in the league are between Columbus and Jackson. That game was quite different to the one up at all. Yeah, that one, a lot of, a lot of penalties in that one. A lot of, a lot more chippiness. Again, it's, I think there's 24 two, penalties overall that game. So a lot of, a lot of yellow flags, but second half, especially fourth quarter, Every play. it yeah. definitely felt that way. Um, overtime was a little chaotic. Honestly, the end of the game, just setting up for uh, Brandon bear to try and win it all felt very, I, I don't know, a lot of confusion going on there just to get that kick going too. Yeah. I still don't you know, know what happened. Yeah, it, it, I think just overall the week, it felt like some procedural things were not clicking right. I mean, mm-hmm. go to Albany, for example, you know, it felt like you had some reviews for substitutions or you had substitution penalties that felt a little that were a little over the place. And those things the league's going to clean, clean up as we talked about. Um, yeah. It's week one, you know, hold tight. It, we're going to get these things sorted out uh, is how I can say it, you know. Oh, yeah there was, there's going to be hiccups with that. So that's all I can tell you. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you one trend that I hopefully want to see corrected. I don't know how quickly we will, maybe some signings will help, but, uh, or something, the kicking just very, uh, very, lack, very all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> well, now, here's the thing. not even like dead. Like we weren't even getting, I can only think of maybe one or two kickoffs that got close to a deuce. Like yeah. that, that is very strange for me. To go in this week and say, oh, yeah, there weren't any deuces this week. There weren't anything coming close to it. I think it was T.C. Stevens and Brandon Bear were the two ones that at least got the ball to back of the end zone. Right. Um, But here's a fun fact. For the first time in NAL history, no deuce was made 
in the, in, in the week. First time. Wow. I mean, that, that, there, that follows the trend right there. Yeah. I'm wondering because the ball was being made a kind of a talking point. Yeah. You know, the well, that was a talking point years. throughout the whole league. Just mm-hmm. not the owners, just not the us, just not uh, the fans, not people who are associated with the league. It was the fans. Like, people were noticing, like, this ball is not going in the end zone. This, where are the deuces? Where, like, Brandon Bear kicks deuces. Like, two right. years ago, he led the league, in, or in 2019, excuse me, he was the NAL leader in kicks for deuces. So he can do it. T.C. Stevens, we know he can do it. <laughs> Um, don't, don't think I've forgotten last year's contest in Jacksonville against Albany. Well, that man, that man had a day, even, mm-hmm. even getting a, even getting an end zone score, just the thing bouncing off the wall. Now that was of course some dumb luck, but still like that man was having a day yeah, as your casual 14 point swing in the ring of football. That's all. <laughs> yeah, no big deal. <laughs> like no, no, no big D. Um, but yeah, it's the football has become a major issue. And I'm from our sources, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to tell you right now, ball's not going to change. Oh, well, I don't. It's yeah. not. So, um, yeah, I think deuces will somewhat go down, but I guarantee you, you'll see more deuces this week than you did last week. You only need one more, one deuce, and you got more than last week. Um, but that's what makes our game so special is the deuce. And it's kind of odd where you had potential in some of these games, like if a kicker got a deuce, it could have been a minute make a break of the game sure um and there's some arenas like you can kick a deuce and get scoreboard happens a lot i I remember in columbus in 2017 a couple of games someone's trying to kick a goose you only hit it you can only hit it one way to get a deuce but they fixed the issue in columbus then then there was an issue in i want to say jersey not jersey uh new york Mm -hmm. and in maine um but people are worried about the, the for the deuce it's strange it's kind of odd usually we as fans uh people complain about kickers like they can't make field goals now they're not blaming the kicker they're blaming the ball which is odd uh <laughs> well, was like something else too i mean I'm, this is kind of what i'm thinking with the ball like i think i saw more kick returns that are actually brought downfield in one week than i can even than i even imagine half of the season last year yeah like it was kind yeah, of like wow this thing is landing in like in play like we can correct. get we're getting actual people bringing these things back well, yeah. the uh, the the average starting position for the Columbus Lions against Jacksonville was literally like the twenty two yard line. Exactly. Like <laughs> you're gonna score a lot of points when you start on the twenty two yard line. Mm-hmm. And Jacksonville had some issues on special teams, and and it's just it wasn't in Jacksonville. It was noticeable in um, San Antonio, and it was noticeable in um, Albany with Antoine. I think it was their Paris on uh, no, um, Prince or Grant took that one back for a touchdown too. Nope. So yeah. It, Prince, I, th- yeah, I don't think that's, back, so. yeah, I don't think that's because of the ball. I think that's more of the Ironman rule going into special teams and affecting stamina of players. That's my opinion. But the ball, I love the ball. I like the design. I like how the logo is. And honestly, the deuces will come. I just think a lot of it's because of strategy early in the season and trying to fill out the Ironman game once the team knows, like, you know what? We're not doing this. We're just going to kick it in the end zone. Um, there's going to be teams that are just going to kick for a deuce every single time. They don't care if they miss or make it. They just don't want to risk their players uh, running down the field, getting rest for the defensive sure. position. So I think that's when you can see a lot of that there here too. 
something just some that stuck out you know like even like like tcc that's kicking into the sideline that i don't usually see that i don't know well that's something to monitor as it goes yeah. on i know that i think we've been told i know i've been told that the material is also a little different than the old ones like because we were seeing like you watch that jacks you watch jacksonville and there are a few times they swapped out there's an old the old nal ball mm-hmm. comes on into play now that can't continue because you only have a finite supply of the old football so right. eventually you are stuck with that so keep yeah. that in mind like it only is going to last as long as your team's supply is able to last so and and also we had a fan reach out to us ask us a question about how the ruling is for the football if it goes out of bounds um of course if it goes beyond the end zone it goes to the 20 if it right. goes out of bounds anywhere in between there that's where the ball's placed basically um, I think if it goes, if it hits the scoreboard, it gets placed in midfield. If it goes out of bounds before the scoreboard or before midfield, it gets placed on the opposite field 25. So it's basically where it's the dead ball mm-hmm. foul. Um, but if I translate the rules correct, I think that's it. But again, it could also be if it goes out of bounds before the end zone goes to the twenty uh, goes to the twenty yard line all the time because technically you can't kick a ball out of bounds it has to stay in play. Uh, but I do know if when teams try to tip field goals and it does that, that's where the ball ends up. At. That's where dead ball is like the outdoor game where you punt the ball and it goes out of the two yard line. Ball's going out of the two. If you kick off from the kick off, it goes out of bounds. The team starting from thirty five because you kick it out of bounds. Um, so it's similar to the outdoor game. It's just there's people. In the chat rooms and especially on live coverage, like why is the rules different in the NAL? That's the reason why. Um, it's technically dead ball foul if it's a kickoff from a like a field goal, but if it's an actual kickoff itself, I think it still goes to 25. It might go to the yardage itself, but I don't think I don't know 100% sure, but I think it they treat just like the funny game field goal game. It's like Think of right. the field goal game in arena like punting and think of the kickoffs like kickoffs at outdoor game. If it goes out of bounds before the end zone, it's going up to the 35, in our case, the 20-yard line. If it's a punt, it goes off of the two-yard line, that's where it's dead. Once it hits the wall, it's dead if it's a field goal slash kind of punt. But, of course, there's no punting in the arena, but it's that's how we treat it in the arena game. Yes, yeah. Got understandable. Good Good job explaining there, though. I, I mean, tried that's... my best. I mean, look, that, that, that's important though. I mean, yeah. especially, you know, in most weeks of in the NAL, you know, mm-hmm. out of bounds from the back of the end zone is very common. Generally it's very common. Right. Um, there's no rebound nets in the NAL. So you can't exactly, you know, you returns off that don't exist. And yeah. unless it's in the field of play, it's either a deuce or nothing. That's the risk of the deuce. So, you know, keeping that in mind. And of course the risk of, going for the deuce is you better have a good kicker that doesn't kick out of the sight line. Cause you'll get more penalized just for the sideline kicks mm-hmm. and as well, keeping all that in mind, a few more tidbits before we go on to our interview this week. Um, just wanted to give and the awards that the NAL gave out. So iron man of the week is, is German Forston from the Columbus lions. Uh, heck of a week for him against the Jackson. I mean, not at all. Like dude, dude, bald seven, three yards of from the offensive side of the ball, four tackles, a fumble recovery interception. And one of those went for a TD. So definitely had his impact on the game. He was all over the place. Yeah. You know, I'm not shocked at this at all. And the he, lions he, walk out with a comfort behind wind. He carried the team in the second half to the, uh, that's 410. And people want to say why he got, why, 
if you watch that game, you see how he was acting. He's so chippery. You got to understand, ladies and gentlemen, Fortson played on both sides of this rivalry. He knows this rivalry pretty well oh, yeah. between us and Columbus, between Jacksonville and Columbus. Um, he, he deserved it. He was everywhere on the field. He was making plays defensively, offensively, special teams everywhere. That's what an Ironman is, and he, he rightfully deserved it. And the other three guys who won wars this week are just as good. Absolutely. And one of those guys we've been talking to, I'll, I'll give the last one out as of course our interview is going to be with this gentleman. So defensive player of the week was Walter Thomas of the club of the Carolina Cobras dude was mauling that line. Again, uh, there's a reason Mike faithful was having some jitters uh, man was making an impact in the backfield uh, special teams, Darius Prince, for mm-hmm. obvious reasons, Prince, actually, it's funny on uh, the iron man of the week dropped a comment saying, maybe I should have had that. Cause I'll even list off his cause. Prince here for those that are tuning in. Um, Prince is the is one of the Iron Man players out there. It's uh Antoine Grant out there that's a specialist, not him. So keeping this in mind, here was his tats under seven yards in the through the air, three receiving, a kickoff return touchdown, interception, and five tackles on his own stats. But the special teams TD obviously was the main impact that Prince gave. I mean, the guy's an all-around stellar athlete. There's a reason why he was such a big deal coming back to Albany. Um, mm-hmm. you know, offensive player of the year last year. Um, but yeah, dude stepped up as well for even an empire loss. Um, part of the reason why they stayed in the game. So at least in coming into the second half and our offensive player of the week definitely deserves some cred. I mean, four touchdowns alone on his end, dude was playing, was playing as, uh, the, as the Mac linebacker for the sharks as well. We got Devin Wilson, who was our subject for interview this week, uh, had a hell of a game against the lions. They just came up just short in their quest in the jungle. And right now we'll let you guys listen into our conversation with Wilson, not only on that game, but also on what lies at and some of his praises for Lake Henry coming to the sharks. Joining me and Jim today on our interview series for the inside the walls podcast. We have the pleasure of being joined by sharks receiver and NAL offensive player of the week, Devin Wilson here in the show, Devin, welcome aboard. Thanks for joining us again. Multi-time now uh, interviewee for coming on to the show. How are you doing, man? Uh, how are things uh, at least post week one for you? Uh, you know, they're going good. Um, you know, trying to, um, you know, hit the ground running, get ready for uh, week two against Albany. Um, but, you know, again, thank you guys for having me on. And, uh, you know, looking forward to talking a little arena football. Absolutely. Glad to have you on. You know, great performance for yourself individually, of course, although we understand it is a team team sport camp, just a little bit short there in Columbus. Uh, for yourself, what are some takeaways from that overtime loss over there in Columbus, Georgia? Obviously, Jungle uh, is, of course, a little bit more uh, rowdy, this year than last, most likely a little more freedom to have people coming back in um, hostile environment, Ironman rules to deal with. Uh, what are your takeaways from this first week for yourself? Yeah. Um, you know, Columbus, uh, you know, hats off to them. You know, they came out victorious, um, but you know, they, they have a pretty good fan base. Um, you know, every time you go down there, they always have it rocking uh, last year, you know, like you said, with the whole COVID thing and the restrictions, you know, it was kind of down. Uh, but you could definitely see a big difference this year um, than last year. Uh, but, you know, uh, arena football, you know, I, I think if, you know, you're looking at what an arena football game looks like, that one can kind of show you right there week one. You know, we're up, um, you know, up going into the half. And then, you know, some things, uh, you know, didn't go our way. Um, and then we're in a, a, a dogfight. And uh, then you're in overtime 
and, you know, things just kind of trickled down and, you know, the Lions came out on top. Uh, mm-hmm. But, but again, you know, uh, that, that's arena football for you. Um, you know, we, as a team, we looked at the film, saw things that we did well, you know, saw things that we, you know, did not so well. And, uh, you know, we've been uh, going to work every day to try to fix those and, you know, get back, get ready for this week against Albany and go one and oh, you know, uh, you know, every week that's the goal to go one and oh. And uh, regardless of a win or a loss uh, last week, you know, that's still going to be the goal this week to go one and oh. So, uh, Devin, uh, a lot of people here on the podcast know that I'm a diehard Sharks fan, and it's kind of hard now that we're the official podcast in the NAL that I can't really shift my bias towards the team, but why the hell not? You're on the show. <laughs> um, the Shark Tank, you're finally coming home. What is your feelings about this Saturday night? Uh, I've been hearing rumors that we're expecting 7,000-plus in the home opener, which is very common in Jacksonville. What's your feelings about this upcoming game? Yeah, yeah, no, uh, the Shark Tank, you know, it's no place like it. Uh, You know, Columbus has their jungle or whatever you want to call it. And yeah, it it was, it was, you know, rowdy as you, if you might call that, but there's nothing like the tank. You know, we we have the best fans in all of arena football. I don't care what level, you know, what two motion man, one motion man, whatever it is, you know, we have the best arena football fans. Uh, they give us a home field advantage. Um, you know, there's nothing like it. Uh, you know, I could sit here and talk about that for the whole entire show. Um, the fans, you know, um, and two, you built these relationships with these fans. So, you know, you get to see them, you know, year in and year out. So that's always a cool thing. Um, but no, I just can't wait to get back in there, you know, get in Vistar, uh Arena and, you know, get back to the tank. Yeah, because last year, Shark fans uh, left that arena with a sour taste in their mouth a couple of times. But we did have a big win in that arena last year. Me and Zach basically said it was kind of a like oopsie-daisy, <laughs> like we're not supposed to win that game. Um, but, of course, Danny Southwick and the history that is Danny Southwick showed out. Um, and we beat the Albany Empire, who take, or, of course, the team this week. What's your preparation to go up against a loaded Albany Empire team, especially against players like Antoine Grant and Darius Prince? Oh, you know, yeah, um, you, you know, they have a, a great team, you know, a really good team. Um, you know, they uh, had, had, a, had a, a good game last week against Carolina. You know, they came up a little short. Um, but, no, like you just said, you, you know, they have great players on their team um, from uh, Grant to, you know, Prince to uh, Hollis. Uh, to, you know, McGruger, to Fawful, you know, the list goes on and on. You know, they have a, a former TSU Tiger in uh, C. Lou, you know what I'm saying? Um, great, you know, good offensive line. You got a good defensive line. They're former champions, you know. I mean, they, they have it. Um, you know, they're a good team. Um, so, you know, we're doing everything we're supposed to do to, um, you know, prepare for that, watch film, make sure that we're on our stuff. And, uh you know, we're going to come in here and just try to play Jacksonville Shark football. And uh, if we do that, um, I think we'll be, you know, let everything else fall as it must, but I, I think we'll, we'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Look, I, I actually got to ask you something here because one of the storylines for you guys going into the season, we had Warren Smith on a few weeks back, you know, talking about how Malik Willis has kind of taken over that spot, you know, Smith taking more of the, kind of the coaching role in a way for you guys. Um, Malik got the start 
this week, which I was actually, both of us were projecting and understanding Warren might've gotten that at least early going, but get him into the fire. Um, I know he's, you being the receiver, you know, you guys got to establish that connection. How have they, how have things been for you in camp and leading into here kind of, you know, just getting used to whoever's going to be behind the center, at least for these early goings. Now that, you know, Malik's going, of course. Yeah. Um, you know, from, from day one, um, I trusted, you know, coach Burley and, you know, his, his preparation and, you know, his uh, methodical thinking behind things of how he wanted to do stuff. Um, you know, regardless of, you know, who decided or who we put back there, um, I knew we were going to be in good hands regardless, uh, just because of the preparation um, that both of them have put in. Uh, yeah, you know, you have Warren, you know, that's the, you know, the veteran, uh, you know, former MVP of the league, you know, and then you have Malik that is, you know, young, um, can, you know, make any and every throw, uh, very talented. Very, very talented. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, um, should, still learning the game some. But, you know, you know, Malik's special. You know, I'm just going to be honest with you. You know, I've, I've had the opportunity to play with a few guys, um, you know, from the Jonathan Baines to the, you know, Arvell Nelsons and stuff like that. Um, you know, even when I was down here and before Tommy got hurt in 2017, you know, got to practice with him for a little bit. Um you know, I, I've had my good share of quarterbacks and, uh, you know, I've seen just in camp and stuff like that. I've seen Malik make some throws that I've even said, wow, you know, wow, that's that's a that's an NFL throw right there. Nice. So, um, you know, but they both help us in, in different ways. You know, um, Warren, again, the, the savvy vet knows it, you know. You never know what you might get. He might, you know, pull one bootlegged, you know, shaky or something like that. I've seen it all in his game. Uh, so, you know, again, uh, at the end of the day, I, I'm a I'm a team guy. You know, I, I trust Coach Burley, uh, the organization, you know, and that they're going to put us in the best situation for us to be successful. If that is, you know, Warren Smith, a quarterback, then that's who it's going to be. If that's Malik Henry, a quarterback, then that's who it's going to be. Hey. If that's me playing quarterback one game, then guess what? It'll be me playing quarterback if that gives us the best chance. So, again, I just trust Coach Burley and the organization that they'll have us right. Right. It's all about, for you, you know, making sure you get your job done correctly, you know, you being specialist and all. But, you know, that's you're putting the system, you're trusting the system, you want to execute your part of the system right for the benefit of the whole team. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, you know, uh, if you kind of look at it, you know, there's eight people on arena on arena field. You know, if everybody does their one eighth, you know, then you'll have a hole, you know, and if you have a hole, then then that's a pretty good picture. You know, where you start falling in trouble is where, you know, you have six people doing the right thing and two people doing the other other thing. You know, as long as we focus on us and everybody does their one eighth, we'll be all right. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the young guys around the Jacksonville Soros organization, how does it feel like working with Rob Jones and Naquan Murray at the receiving court? Yo, man, you know, those electric, you know, again, you know, kudos to Coach Burley. You know, he he had, he recruits very well. Um, he, he has an eye for talent. Uh, and then, you know, you hear about these guys, you know, through the offseason or like Rob Jones, on the other hand, you get to play against them. You see it on the other side and you're like, oh, okay, man, he, he's a pretty good receiver. And then you see him on a daily basis and you see what he does on a, you know, in practice. And you're like, that's why he's a good receiver. So, you know, I, I think within our receiver group, um, 
we help each other. You know, there's all some all something that we do different. You know, not only those two, but Cameron Solomon uh, is another one. Uh, you know, young guys that we all again, you know, you might see somebody do something on some route and be like, hey, man, how'd you do that? And then that'll help you and vice versa. Um, you know, we really believe in it as iron sharpens iron, as one man sharpens another around here. And, uh, you know, those guys definitely within the few weeks that we've been together, they felt me, you know, um, from, you know, Naquan Murray, you know, just how electric he is. You know, you know, if you get the ball in his hands, there's no telling what might happen. Um, you know, from Rob Jones to his route running and stuff like that to see how he moves. Really, really electric. And then Cameron Solomon, you know, as well, you know, another strong physical guy um, that, you know, he does a little bit of everything as well. So, um, you know, we, we have a pretty, we don't, we might not have the names like an Albany, you know, with the Darius Princes and the, you know, Grants and the Dangerfields and stuff like that. But again, I trust Coach Burley and the organization. And I think they've given us great guys for us to be successful. Right. Well, I think we saw this week, you know, and I like how you talk the names, you know, names don't buy, don't fully get the success in a game. I mean, as we saw, like, you know, both of, both of us predicted Albany to win a credit. Carolina also is in a similar boat. They have plenty of names on that roster too. You know, it was very high scoring game, but again, that doesn't guarantee you're going to get, get a victory. You got to still execute your thing. You know, right now the mentality we've seen around the league is, you know, is it who's better rotating versus who's building the correct Ironman squad you know is coming off that jacksonville seems to be the one off just talking and based on maybe even talking the way you are like it's about building that iron man roster out you know might not be like you're saying might not be the names but if we can execute the system properly that'll get everything in the right direction we can make the best arena team possible in the in the rule sets that we are in this year uh, for you. I mean, you've been through arena for so many years at this, at this point, you know, one of the, one of the stars in the NAL for several years now. Um, do you find yourself becoming lately more of the teacher or more, are you just looking to learn as you go, even moving on through the years yourself? Um, you know, yeah, no, I, I definitely, you know, see myself, um, you know, being the, the veteran, as you would say it, you know, I think that's going to be with any team at any level, you know, if you have a guy that, you know, I've, I've had a little a little bit of success throughout my career. So, you know, these guys, you know, they might see me do a route or something like that, that they might ask me, or oh, how did you do that or whatever. And I have no problem sharing, you know, tips or anything like that, because ultimately at the end of the day, hey, we're all wearing the same uniform, you know, and, and we're our, all our goals are all this should be the same. So you need to go one and oh each week, you know, and ultimately win, win the championship at the end of the year. Um, you know, yeah, uh, definitely myself like that, but it's also held me to another standard that, you know, I can't just be out here, you know, telling guys, Oh, this is how you do it. And then not do it. You know, you got to practice what you, you got to practice what you preach, you know? And, um, that kind of, it's kind of been on me for a couple of years now anyway, because, you know, uh, I'm also a high school coach now. Um, so, here in Jacksonville, I have, you know, all my students and, 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 and players at the games and, you know, they're sitting there, you know, asking me, you know, oh, coach, you know, hey, I saw you do something last week, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, and I have it's like I always have eyes on me no matter what. So I got to make sure that I'm, you know, upholding my end of the, of the bargain, I would say. Um, but 
again, you know, I've learned some stuff from these guys. I mean, the guys we've got, I mean, even Warren, you know, Warren, you know, has, has helped me with some things, even Malik, you know, Malik's helped me with some things, uh, you know, Again, I'm also learning each and every day from one of the best receivers to play arena football. You know what I'm saying? Right. Coach, Coach, Coach Sauer Burley, you know, is, you know, one of only few receivers that went for 2,000 yards in a, in a season. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I take, you know, I take pride in, like, understanding, like, all right, who I'm being taught by. And this guy's one of the best. You know, if he's not in the Hall of Fame for the AFL, he should be, you know. Um, you know, I might be a little biased because he is my coach, you know, whatever you might want to say. But no, I mean, each and every day he's challenging me to help me get better, which ultimately is going to help the team get better. And, you know, now once I learn something and master something, I can pass it down to the younger guys. So it's kind of been a little mixture of both of everything. But um, as we like to say around here, that's the Jacksonville Shark way. So. Wilson, I have had a lot, couple of people reach out to me knowing that I do a podcast. These are also Shark fans. They want to know what's the deal with the first down celebration that you always do. Every oh, single. Man. <laughs> so, all right. So, uh, so that started in Maine uh, when I was up in Maine. Uh, all right. So one thing about Devin Wilson is I, I'm a nerd. I'm a big nerd. Like I love, I love reading books. Uh, stuff like that, not only books, magazines, you know, just anything that can help me better myself. I'm always about self-betterment. Uh, the Hunger Games, the Hunger Games, when that first came out, that was like my thing. That was like one of my first things. So at first it started off at like shooting an arrow, but I was like, man, that's taking too much. That's taking too long and stuff. So uh, basically it's like me pulling out an arrow out of my out of my back and, you know, throwing for the first down. Uh, the shoulder shake and everything just kind of that, that just kind of I don't know where that came from. Evolution kinda, of it. <laughs> yeah, that just kind of came from a little bit of evolution, you know. Um, but it, again, you know, have having my high school kids at the games, you know, we'll, we'll be in practice or something. And one of these kids will get a first down in practice and they'll do it in practice. And I'll, I'll have it. I, would, I like it. I really do. I'm like, oh, man, that's really cool. But then the football coach in me is like, hey, you can't do that. We're, we're playing high school football. We're going to get a penalty. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, um, no, nah, it's cool. It's just, you know, at the end of the day, we're performers. Um, just trying to give a show for the crowd. You know, you got to think, when I came up around arena football, um, you know, 2016 was my rookie year in the AFL. You know, that's when Tiger Jones was here or, you know, around. That's when, you know, the Joe Hills – uh, you know, oh, those yeah. guys, the Mo Ruffins and all them. And I just remember seeing these guys play and like they would have these, you know, choreographed celebrations. And I'm just like, oh, my God, like you really had to think about that all week for you to like you knew that you were going to score all week. And, uh, you know, kids come to me at, at school like, hey, coach, you got to hit the gritty. You got to do this. You got to do that when you score. And, you know, I've told him now, it's like, look, man, I've scored so many touchdowns. I kind of, uh, I don't, I, I run out of stuff to do. So, you know, now the, the Gronk spike is kind of what, you know, it's come to now when I hit the end zone. So, uh, you know, be looking out for that at, a, at an arena near you. One of my favorite celebrations you ever did was in Orlando last year. You caught a, just a normal, I think it was a slant route. 
and you were looking to do something and you went up and you went propose to the cheerleader, like give the football. And she gave you this nasty <laughs> look like, who is this dude? I was like, that's going to be on the highlight reel somewhere. And sure enough, it, um, the NAL highlighted it. I'm like, Oh, oh what a, a proposal that went wrong, but it was still one of my favorite ones. I saw you do the other one. You did like a double clutch and you banged this, uh, bang the football i think that was either in orlando or in jacksonville but yeah like you mentioned about tiger uh tiger jones and joe hillis and uh eddie brown back in the day their celebrations are what made this game interesting and you did say you're scoring too many touchdowns and well well you're on the top list of receiving touchdowns in the nal so that that's you um <laughs> but still that proposal one I think has to be one of your best because it was the most, you know, out of the blue and the people around you had no idea what was going to happen. Even that cheerleader, she, that look that she gave you, I'm like, Oh, she's pissed. <laughs> so I, I think that's your favorite one in my opinion. So, yeah, now nah, that, that was a pretty good one. My, I would say I, if I had to say two, if I had to say my favorite one, uh, it would be between two different ones. And the crazy thing about this is they were both against the Jacksonville Sharks. So um, my rookie year in the AFL, when I played for Cleveland, all right, uh, we played against Jacksonville on ESPN. Uh, we were down by 20 points. And uh, Coach Tun ends up putting me in in the fourth quarter. He's like, go in and don't come out. I'm like, all right, cool. I like this plan. So uh, he puts me in and I scored three touchdowns to, the, uh, to win. We went on ESPN. It was a big thing for me. Uh, you know, with my rookie year and everything. But my first touchdown of that quarter, it was my mom's birthday. And uh, in the locker room at half or pregame, I wrote on my undershirt, hi, mom. And I remember CT, uh, Colin Taylor, was like, what are you, you going to do with that? And uh, I said, when I score, I'm going to pull it down. And I told the camera guy before the game, I said, hey, man, I'm going to score a touchdown and I'm going to come right here to you. And uh, he was like, oh, yeah, I'll be right here. And it was just by the luck of God, I guess, that the touchdown I scored, I turned around and the cameraman's like sitting right there at me. And I was like, oh, yeah, perfect time. Nice. And I pulled the shirt down and it said, hi, mom. And she was watching back at home in Tennessee uh, with a bunch of friends and stuff. And it was her birthday. So that was pretty special to me. Uh, and then the second one, is, I guess this would be 1B. Uh, we played against the Jacksonville Sharks when I was in Maine. It was the last game of the season. We weren't making the playoffs. They were about to make the playoffs, but we bumped them from the first seed to the fourth seed. And uh, we were like, hey, man, we're going fishing. We're going fishing this week. You know, hey, we're, we're going fishing for sharks. So I put a fishing pole behind the end zone, and as soon as I scored, I pulled it out and really That was it. you? What? <laughs> and and Poe, uh, Agar and Allen Poe laid on the ground like it was a fish and started like hopping back. And uh, we picked them up and took a picture. That was that was that was I pretty remember. cool. Wow. That was pretty cool. <laughs> Didn't so, know that was. Uh, I thought that was Poe, not you. But no, no, that was me. That was me. So uh, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I've had my fair share. I, when I was in the AFL, I um, was you know I rotated so I wasn't really in that much because of the receivers we had on that team oh oh boy uh, so uh, we played the Philly Soul and uh, Jaws was at the game and uh, he was talking a lot of you know stuff being a good mm -hmm. fan and uh, a proud owner as he should be and uh, he told me hey man you be quiet until you get in the game I said yes sir I, yes sir as soon as I got in the game 
his all arena middleman James Romain got bombed, uh, touchdown. So as soon as I did that, took the ball right over to Jaws and put it right in his lap. And I got I got fined. I got fined by the AFL for that too, but it was worth it. It was definitely worth it. So yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, my last question is what keeps you coming back to Jacksonville? 17 you were with us, then you I think left and went to another team in 17. To and Maine. then you to Maine. And then mm-hmm. you came back. Uh, and now you now you can say that you you're the longest reigning shark in the NAL. Um, what keeps you bring coming back to Jacksonville? Because you've seen Bain, Faithful, and a lot of players go to other teams in the league. Yeah, um, it's home. You know what I'm saying? That's that's kind of what I would say. You know, um, you know, I played college ball with Joe Hills at, T- at TSU, um, and again, you know, I started seeing what he what he kind of became. You know, when I was finishing up college and he was, you know, become being Superman, you know, um, you know, and I saw, you know, these 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 guys just move around, bunch bounce around from place to place. And sometimes I was just like, oh, that, that's that's tough. You know what I'm saying? Like and I started looking at other guys in other sports, you know, like the the Kobe's, you know, the, the Dirks, you know, the, the Tim Duncan's. You know, guys that stay with one organization for their whole career almost. Um, and that's something I kind of wanted to do. I remember when Coach Burley recruited me to get me back here in 19. Uh, he said something that really stuck with me, and it still sticks with me to, the, to this day. He was like, you know, if you keep bouncing around from place to place, you're never going to have anywhere to hang a picture on. You know, you're never going to have a home to hang, you know, your hat, to hang your, you know, a picture. Um, and that kind of stuck with me. You know, 19, you know, well, 17, won my first championship ever. Um, Besides so Little League, but won my first championship. Um, that was big, you know, very, you know, s- sentimental to me. Uh, 18, I left, you know, that it is what it is. 19, I came back, won another championship. Uh, had my best year statistic-wise, I guess you would say, under Coach Burley. Uh, you know, 20 was the COVID year. Uh, 21, you know, Coach, Coach Fuller was here. Um, you know, uh, and then, you know, 22, you know, we got coach Burley back. It's just, it, it's home, you know, the sharks, it, it, it's home. I love the organization. I love the ownership. Uh, I like the city. Um, uh, and two, to be honest with you, um, you know, I want to, you know, there's certain goals and stuff that I have for myself, you know, I want to, you know, like they talk about like AG and stuff like that, you know, how he, you know, we have a Sharks ring of honor, you know, who are, who would you put in the ring of honor? You know, I want to be, I want my name to be in, in, in something like that, you know, and if I keep bouncing around from place to place, that'll never happen. Um, you know, so that's kind of, you know, that's kind of what's keeping me here a little bit. And I think I look good in red and black, you know, a little bit as well. Uh, but no, Jacksonville is a great place, great city, great fan base, great best fan base in arena football. Um, you go to these other places too, and you see, you know, how things are handled and then you come here and you see how things are handled here. And it's like second to none. So it's hard to leave that, you know, uh, professional organization, uh, top notch, you know, I don't know any other team in the in the NAL that practice, you know, I mean, the, the Jaguar Stadium was right next to our stadium. 
Jaguar scouts, Jaguar scouts are at our games. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're, I mean, it, it, what, what else do you want? You know, we got, we got the coverage. We got the, you know, the pro teams are here. We got the best fan base. We got some of the best looking uniforms. We got the best turf. We got the best arena. You know, I mean, what, what else do you want to, you know, why leave? Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know if a lot of people know this. Like I have a shark tattooed on my leg. You know what I'm saying? That'll kind of that'll kind of be hard to, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, and explain to people. You know what I'm saying? So, nah, uh, it's just, it's home, uh, and it, it, I, I love it here. So it'll have to something drastic will have to happen in order for me, hopefully, not to retire a Jacksonville Shark. Right. So sticking with uh, Jacksonville, you're from Tennessee. There's a yep. mutual hatred between the two areas of between the Titans and Jags. Who's your allegiance in the NFL? Oh, I'm a Titans fan. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> Tighten up. But, uh, but see, see, we're good friends now. You're Sharks. But NFL season, you know, 1999. Oh, yeah. I can't get that year out of my head. Oh, yeah, nah, yeah, it's tough. <laughs> but, no, nah, I'm a big Titans fan. You know, big, big time Titans fan. Um, you know, I wear my jersey to school and stuff on Spirit Day. Um, even when I go to the, you know, the Titans Jaguars game, I wear my jersey and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I'm a big Titans fan. Now, I do support the Jags. You know, I do support the Jags. I will nah, say against that. your team. Not against the Titans. So <laughs> yeah. they can win any. They can win any other game, especially in the AFC South. But they cannot win against the Titans. So I'm okay with that. I can respect that. So here's a, that's all. I, I, so you went to school in Tennessee. I'm like, you're from the Nashville area. Um, you were on the, on our show last couple months ago with Zach. And Zach asked about if a, a team popped up in Nashville. You're at Rainton, well, you decide to go up there. And you said in that podcast that something really, like you just now, said drastic needs to happen for go back to Nashville. But you said you remember back in the day the Nashville Cats and the football in your hometown. Mm-hmm. So that's why I had to bring up the Tennessee Titans. Like, what's your allegiance? Because the two, Nashville and Jacksonville, do not like each other come no. the fall in <laughs> football. You listen to local radio here in Jacksonville. It's like Tennessee could be playing San Francisco on a random Monday night. That Tuesday, we're bashing Tennessee, even though if Tennessee won or lost. I'm like, the two cities do not like each other, even though it's right now – the Titans have the upper edge against the Jaguars, but us Jaguar fans, ladies and gentlemen, no, this is not NAL related. Uh, still remember 1999. The best team, still to this day, the best team that year in the NFL did not win the Super Bowl because the Titans knocked us off in the AFC Championship game. And I still can't let that down to this day. <laughs> and it's been, I don't want to look at the they day. Had the it's secret almost, uh, sauce in 99. That's it. I mean, three it's been times. Over 20, it's been over 20 years, Keisha Louise, but still, yeah. No, that. No, nah, it's a, you know I'm a big Titans fan. Uh, kind of always been uh, ever since the Oilers, you know, moved to to Nashville, uh, and then um, changed the name to Titans. You know, I was fortunate enough to uh, Steve McNair, you know, uh, was a sponsor of one of my little league baseball teams. So you know, getting to see him all the time and stuff like that, that was kind of nice. cool. And then you know now you know especially uh, with my alma mater Tennessee State being coached by Eddie George. Uh, former, you know, Titan great, um, you know, kind of got a roof for the Titans. So, uh, you know, oh, yeah, I'm tightened up all the way. <laughs> oh, Eddie George. Oh, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> he 
He Never. used to yeah, have flashbacks and nightmares with Eddie George and Samari Roll and Albert Ainsworth. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and, Javon, yeah. and Javon Curse. Oh, and there Javon, go. yeah. University of Florida defensive end. No, Keisha Louisa couldn't stand that team. <laughs> But but usually this is good trash talk. I always you're the only Titan fan that I know personally, or not really person, but right now. Yeah. Um, but every time every time I come past the Titans fans, oh 1999, it's like yeah, you're two yards short. Bam. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so I, 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 I always get I that with people, Titans. Man. I tell people all the time though, you got to get there in order to lose it. You know, touche, touche, my friend. You, know, you got to get there in order to lose it. So it is what it is. You know. And but I, always, it, I mean. And I always do this about with people in Jacksonville go, we need a championship organization football team here in Jacksonville. I'll go, we do. They don't play in the stadium. They play in the arena. And they go, oh, I thought arena football is over. I'm like, no, it's not over. Jacksonville's still winning titles and championships, unlike the team from across the street, which plays in a bigger stadium. And that's one thing I like how, like, you're still in Jacksonville. You love the city. And it's, people don't realize – Jasper gets bashed for being a crappy city, even though they don't even live here. They go, oh, it's just a pit stop to go to Orlando, which is kind of insulting because technically Orlando is still kind of a pit stop, too, besides Disney World. Um, not a shout out to Orlando, just, just saying we hate you, too. It's a, it's a Florida rivalry here, ladies and gentlemen. Like, right, if, right. If, you don't, if you've never been to Florida, you don't understand. People in Tampa dislike people in Tampa, Jacksonville. People who live in Orlando can't stand people in Jacksonville. Miami and vice versa. We all hate each other, but live in the same state. Uh, so right. when you say, oh, Florida's Floridians are Floridians, yeah, because we don't even like people from St. Augustine, and they're just two blocks down the street. <laughs> Welcome to the state of Florida. And only people in Florida understand it. So when people make fun of our state, I go, we agree. We make fun of you just based off of counties. Um, but still, I just want to say, Devin, that you've been a – if they say do a ring of honor in Mount Rushmore of uh, the Jacksonville Sharks, you're definitely on that list. You, Aaron Garcia, maybe – the top of my head, maybe Jeff Hugley from back in the day. There's a couple of players, but you're definitely one right there by Garcia, uh, the starter franchise. That. So, um, especially in the NL, that. you are you are the best. People say this is not the shout out to Albany fans. Yes, Darius France is good. Yes, Antoine Grant's good. But the best arena and best receiver in the arena football plays at Jackson. He's been here since 2017. Um, yes, that's my fan coming up. But Darius France is damn good. But He's only been in the league for a year and a half, probably. Of course, he played in Philly, but you've been in Jacksonville for a couple of years now, and you've proven each and every single week that you are the best in the in arena. You just don't get enough love from the people in the, over in the corporate office, but you will get all the love here in today's show as the best receiver. That's, that's all good. That's all good, and I appreciate that. I really do. You know what I'm saying? I, I, you know, I, I, I understand where I – you know rankings and all that stuff it's all cool but i'll tell somebody this all right and i would i would ask anybody to go look at the receiver wise the quarterbacks they play with look no knock to you know any quarterback i play with anything like that but look at the quarterbacks i've had to play with you know what i'm saying i've had to play with multiple plural plural quarterbacks in multiple seasons you know what i'm saying when I was here in 17, I played with Fleming. You know what I'm saying? I played with Boltus. All right. That's two different quarterbacks right there. We even had another guy. Uh, McCain. I'm sorry. I'm, McCain. All right. And then when I was in uh, when I was in Portland, you know, I had Jonathan Bain, uh, Kenyatta Allen. You know, that's two more quarterbacks. You know, in 19, 
uh, Jonathan Bain and Mike Fafel, you know, and even Gary, Gary Schnope. All right, that's another one. 21. I'm not even going to go down that list of six different quarterbacks I had to deal with. <laughs> hey, all good right. Good so I can name them all, but I won't. <laughs> but, you know, but at the end of the day, I, I, I think what I take pride in is I don't care who you put back there throwing the ball to me. My job as a receiver is to catch the ball. I don't need a high-profile exactly. quarterback. You know what I'm saying? I now will it, will it make my job a lot easier sometimes? Yes, it would, and it would be you know. But at the end of the day, my job is to catch the ball. You know, whoever throws it to me, you know where where wherever they throw it to me at, my job is to go catch the ball, and I think I've showed that consistently. You know, and uh, you know I, I'll tell a lot of people this too. You know, I feel like a lot of defensive coordinators. Are, when they play against me, they're trying to figure out ways how to slow me down, how to stop me. You know what I'm saying? And I take pride in that. I welcome that challenge every week. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, people people are entitled to their opinion. Yes, they are. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, men lie, women lie, the numbers don't lie. So go look at the numbers. Uh, also, uh, a great quarterback, Hall of Famer, Peyton Manning, stated, uh, was in an interview about, quarterbacks creating receivers and Peyton Manning made the greatest comment because sometimes the receivers make the quarterback's name and he mentioned all the guys he played with from ND to Denver and even college he goes no one would Peyton Manning would not have been who I what he is today without his receivers and that really got me like wow usually when you hear people say oh, Tom Brady didn't play with anybody he created receivers and when they left they went, they didn't became nothing but Peyton Manning with that quote said sometimes the receivers make the quarterback and you proved last year in Jacksonville, the carousel that was the quarterback room, that you helped those young guys, and even Southwick, the vet that he was, do at least what you competitive towards the end of the year. Even Bain came in last year, the very last second, to you try and get that playoff spot. You were always the consistent player last season and in 2019 that your quarterbacks trust you, even though they were either vets like Faithful and Bain, or a young guy like Connor Kagey, or a again a legend who's been everywhere like john and southwick you were there and that's quote by peyton Manning goes sometimes receivers make the quarterback not the not quarterback making a receiver really got got to me this this moment because you're the example of that from last season and i don't know a lot what happened to maine but you are the guy who basically carried the torch last year for the sharks and helped those guys grow look at them now dave connor Almost got. I think he got the starting job in Orlando, or he is. And Southwick is doing his thing in the other football league. So I still can't believe he's still playing, but still, you, that just tells you how you are as a receiver. Quarterbacks trust you, and if you become a trusted target, that helps create the quarterback. And that's what I got from that quote from or interview from Peyton. Man. You got to look that up. I got to find that. That's what I'm well, going to do tonight. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I really do. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of some of the things I preach to my high school receivers now at uh, Andrew Jackson. You know. If a quarterback gives you a shot, you know, 50-50 ball, whatever you want to call it, you know, you, you're double covered, I don't care. You know, my college receiver once told me we are receivers and not retrievers, all right? Mm -hmm. A receiver is going to receive the ball. A retriever is going to be somebody to go picks the ball up off the ground after you drop it. So, you know, if you want that trust from quarterbacks, if you want the ball on your way, I think the the answer to that solution is very simple. Catch the ball. You know what I'm saying? Uh, no matter where it's at, no matter where, where how it's thrown, you know, 
there's no perfect ball except for the ball thrown your way, you know, so go, go get it. Um, and it's just something that's kind of been drilled within me. And it's just, uh, you know, I've just been very blessed and fortunate. And, uh, you know, hopefully I can continue to keep this up, um, you know, and um, again, it's my job to catch the football. So if I'm not doing my job, somebody else will. Nice. Well, Devin, thank you very much for joining us today. Honestly, wishing you guys the best here in your first home game with Albany coming to town. Should be should be a hell of a contest, honestly. You know, one heck of a show as you put on, you know, with the entertainment aspect of it. So looking forward to seeing you ball out there come this Saturday. Thank you very much. Well, I appreciate it. Again, I thank you guys for having me. Uh, you know, uh, for everybody that's uh, watching this or listening to this, Come out this weekend, uh, April 30th, to the to the Shark Tank Vassar uh, Veterans uh, Arena, and pack it out. You know, let's get that that oh, Shark yeah. Tank packed, and uh, let's get it rocking, and uh, show everybody why uh, we have the best fans in all of arena football. So, uh, thank you guys for having me on. Uh, it's it's a pleasure as always, and uh, fins up. Special thanks once again to Devin Wilson for joining us on the show and congrats again for his offensive player of the week nod. Definitely going to be looking forward to seeing him get that home opener for the Sharks at the Shark Tank this coming weekend. I mean, that's it's going to be packed up. Like you said, man, 7,000 plus tickets sold already in there. That thing's going to be rocking uh, and the Empire are going to come in. I mean, that's a hot shot team. That's going to be a heck of a game for them to test themselves after that loss to the lions um man week two uh, here's here's another thing i want well want, i'm curious what your thoughts are jim because we're talking about the two like carolina and albany they're more the skill sets fitting into the iron man rules talent overall will finally compensate and get things in order meanwhile jacksonville this week is going to be one of those teams that comes in and says hey we're designed more like an Ironman team. Now we get to see those two mentalities clash a little bit for the first time this year. Yeah. Well, I mentioned before, and I mentioned the interview, uh, I think Jacksonville Columbus from week one were the more Ironman design off offensive, off defensive, especially team basically off yeah. the team. I'm not saying offensive. See, we get these type of moments, ladies, Jim. I'd go on a tangent. Um, the movement of the arms. You're like, the movement of the arms. Yeah, like, ah, yeah. Kalimon. Um, <laughs> Kalimon, yeah. I just, Kalimon. I just put an Indiana Jones reference into the um, podcast. Hope we don't get dubbed by YouTube. <laughs> but um, I think Jacksonville and Columbus have the better overall Ironman rosters right now. They may not have the talent that is Albany and Carolina, but in the Ironman game, the underdog, of course, may have the system more intact, like know the formula. They can knock off a team with superior talent or better talent, or in this case, in the National Arena League landscape, they do have a better overall roster based on more notable names than Jackson does. Right. But we look at the week two, Shark Tank, the epicenter of the National Arena League, where every single team in the league, now take a shout-out out to all our listeners out there, every player had this, like what Devin Wilson said, he's been in the teams where he looks at it goes, Ugh. goes Jackson, oh, this is how it's done right. That's the common narrative you hear from every player we've talked to, coaches we've talked to, 
about Jacksonville. Jacksonville is the brand in the National Arena League, no matter if they're first place in the standings or fifth place in the standings. People circle Jacksonville, you go, you know what? You got to beat this team. They are the Alabama of the NAL. They may not be record wise, but you circle that date. It's like, we're playing Jacksonville. You got to get ready. They are right. the moniker. They are the pinnacle of this league. This game this week against Albany with the tickets sold already and with the projections of about seven to 8,000 fans in the stands, it's going to be a Baracus crowd in Jacksonville, no matter if it's week six, two playoffs, it's a hostile environment. Yes, Mike Faithful came. He's played here. A lot of these players in Albany have played in Jacksonville. That's when Grant played with a good Columbus team last year, came to Jacksonville, kind of shut up the crowd. Mm-hmm. The Shark Tank is unique. No matter if it's regular arena game or it's the NEL version of the game or Iron Man version of the game, the Shark Tank doesn't change. And I look at this game and I look at the Iron Man perspective. Albany's coming in like we just lost to Carolina. We're the better team. We know we're the better team. They're going to go in and try to prove it. Noss is going to get the game switched. But the question is, is like Jacksonville is secretly a pretty good team that didn't get enough credit last week. They, in my, like what Wilson said in the interview, penalties got in the way and started the downfall. They correct those mistakes. Jacksonville could literally be just as good as Albany, just as good as Carolina. We thought they had a quarterback issue, but from the videos, and from the highlights that we've seen from Malik Henry, the team, I think, is in a good position. And the Shark, one thing about the, you think about the Shark Tank is no matter if Sharks are three and six or 16 and one, you're, it's not going to be an easy one for anybody to go in the Shark Tank. Oh, no. No. And, <laughs> and, the, and for Albany, they're going to limp in their way into the Shark Tank. Just imagine if they start 0 2 after defending after what happened last week and becoming the champion. A title that has not been given to anybody yet in the National Green League. No defending NAL champion has started 0-2 next year. Mm-hmm. Does Albany... No, I know they don't think about that. I know the guys up north, the guys in the effect, don't think about that, but statisticians like me and you, we look at those little storylines. Um, but the benefit of it is the Ironman game is unique. We saw in all we saw the explosiveness that was the Carolinas offense and Albany's offense up there in, in Albany in week one. Mm-hmm. And we saw the disadvantage of that explosive offense as a defense that was getting exposed. Jacksonville gets Columbus looked pretty solid both sides until the second half. And then Columbus got their act together. And then Columbus just fed off that energy of the fans that was in attendance and the game altered. The Iron Man game is unique, man, but for the fans out there, we're not previewing the game tonight right now. I'm just talking about the Iron Man, the right. Shark Tank well, influence well, and all. Right. Um, well, again, remember, this is this is just like we've been looking to see because of the different philosophies. This is the first time right. we get that mashup against each other. So you'll be able to tell like, OK, yeah. you know, does talent went out. Like, kind of think of this yeah. like an NBA conversation. Yeah. Does talent went out or does your system went out? That's what I'm right. looking at this game for. That's the first right. one of this with the Iron Man rules. We'll see. Does the system benefit or is the talent benefit here? You made a great uh comparison nba we're currently in the national nba playoffs going on right now usually the better team wins the series but that doesn't mean the lesser team can win a game or two like yes 
the L.A. Lakers back in the day could sweep the Utah Jazz 4-0. But there was a lot of series where you had, you know, Lakers beat the Kings four games to two, even yep. though two bad games. Jacksonville and Albany have played each other two times and split one-one. Albany was a damn much better team last year than Jacksonville was. And Jacksonville pulled off an upset. Upsets right. do happen. Right now, we're only week two. Teams are still trying to figure each other out. But the emphasis of home field advantage, especially in a building that is like Jacksonville, that team that kind of already has figured out the system already from week one, just look from based on week one, is now home with 7,000 fans and the fan base is eager to get back into that thing and get things going because they remember what happened last year. It's going to be this talent in Albany overthrow the strategy of Jacksonville and the 7,000 fans that are going to be in attendance in Jacksonville for this game. That's going to be the key determining factor. Can Faithful be against a fan base that was for him last year who won a championship with last couple of years ago? He knows the Shark Tank. I'm just saying, home field advantage is big in playoffs. But in the arena game, if you have a home field advantage, you're going to win a lot of games just based off of that, especially with the uniqueness of Ironman right now, the communication that is needed in this league right now for these substitutions. You thought it was difficult in Albany? You thought it was difficult in Columbus? Wait till Saturday night in Jacksonville. One or 7,000 fans in the building. Um Attention, we do have horns and we do have thunder sticks and we like to blow them anytime, anywhere, uh, oh, even yeah. when our team's on offense. So we're kind of <laughs> – it happens. Yeah, it, but, but yeah, it's – for uh, the reason why I'm so pumped is I'm finally going back home. I'm finally going to the home game. I'm excited to be back in my seats in the Shark Tank for game, a new season. So um, you will be there, right? Oh, like you I'm, are I'm going – I, yeah. I mean, this is just formality at this point. I'm just making sure. I got tickets, sure. man. I'm going to the game. I'm going to go sure. down to the visiting sideline and go, Levesque, what's up? You know, go bash him, go talk to Coach Manos, probably trying to find a way to sneak onto the field, which I think I can most likely do. Um, and pregame, <laughs> I guarantee it. Give us a status report next, yeah. next um, week. I want to hear if not, about this. If not, I'll just go to Malik, I'll just go to uh, Devin Wilson or, you know, Steve Kearns and yo, what's up? <laughs> oh, you're part of us. You come down here. So, yeah. I see. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I'm looking for it. I'm just more I'm pumped about this game. I'll give you my prediction and I want to start breaking down. But the intrigue, this is what the National Arena League wants to thrive in the league is what Jacksonville fan base and operation is Jackson. A lot of people hate us because we're the Jackson Sharks, but a lot of people love us because how we run our operations uh, as a fan of the league, as me and you cover the league itself. We want to see this in San Antonio. We mm-hmm. want to see this in Carolina. We want to see this in Orlando. We want to see this in Albany. Albany is starting to do it. I like what Albany is doing. Carolina's doing a uh, uh, Columbus is doing a great job in Orlando. We don't know yet. We're a couple more weeks before we go to Orlando. But if it's based off last year, I'm very confident Orlando's going to be the same way. This is what we arena football fans want, is what is going to happen Saturday night with the atmosphere in Jackson. That's all I got to say. Um, overall, Iron Man game, we'll figure it out. Every team will. There's some intriguing matchups in week two. But before we get to intriguing matchups, before I – let me calm down, get off the high horse. I know this yep. has been the Jacksonville Power Podcast because of Devin Wilson. Um, thanks again, Devin, for joining the show. Uh, make sure – I'm going to make sure to find you in the game on Saturday night. I may be the, the fat white guy that doesn't belong on the field, be on the field. I'll be me most likely. <laughs> but um, 
if, if not, I'll just call Chris Sigs. Chris, what's going on? I don't get the treatment here in Jacksonville. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm going to be a free agent in a, a band. Free agent next year. I'm going to be a free agent. Um, but again, great opportunity that we have uh, covered in the league, by the way. Again, we're really our official podcast in the National Game League. So I just want to say it's time to do our power rankings. Yes, it is. Absolutely time before we give any of our predictions and picks here. It's time for the power <laughs> ranking. I mean, we've been leading up to it the whole show. And Correct. let's just dive into this bad boy. So you should be seeing on the screen here. Usually, it's either right here or right here. I don't know where my face is going to be on the progress, but it all depends on it all, all depends, depends where our yeah. faces are in the video. <laughs> it may cut half of this off, but okay, you might see this part of the face and Zach's part of the face, but right here it is, ladies and gentlemen. So you see it. You'll see our power <laughs> rankings. Um, really, there's only one point to discuss on this. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we, we're pretty locked in on on very similar po- picks here. The top Correct. three are kind of staying. Um, you know, talking before the show, Albany's, of course, slipping because they lost. Um, but we recognize their roster still very much on paper is talented. They just got things to clean up. Uh, Columbus rallying from 14 down. I mean, they definitely deserve to jump this week. I, I had them down at four for crying out loud. So, you know, they definitely deserve to be down down there. Um, you know, only main thing we're talking on is uh, where's Orlando and Jacksonville fall? Um, yeah. I kind of want to hear yours first because uh, I have my own theory on this. That's, I'm, I'm going to hold off. I have my own theory as to why I have them at five. So as you have Orlando as five, I have Orlando as four. And right. as a Sharks fan, I mean, I'm just getting off my high, just their second goal of our Shark Tank. You look at the power and go, Jim, you're so high on the Sharks. Why are you having fifth? Here's the reason why. Me and Zach both have Albany at three. Yes. And Albany dropped down. Yeah, Orlando won. I credit teams that win games more than the overall status of the team right now. Uh, Orlando found a way to win the game. Jacksonville barely lost to Columbus. But then again, everyone barely lost this weekend. And I look at my number four, and people go, why do you have Orlando over Jackson? Orlando won. Jacksonville lost. That's the only big difference. But I have Jacksonville dropping two spots from last week. And it's because Albany lost. And Albany lost and because Square Line and Columbus won. But the reason why I have Jacksonville at five, it's not just because I don't think they're the fifth team, fifth best, uh, the fifth place team in the league. I think they're better than fifth. I think they're still better than Orlando at the end of the season. I just don't think as of right now, if you put the rosters together and what happened last week, I give credit to the W's and the L's over roster size at this moment. And also, you know, Orlando has always been that dark horse to me and you over the last couple of years of why not us, but they always find a way to stink themselves into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It's for me, I have Orlando above Jacksonville just because of the win, but the benefit of Jacksonville Orlando, we could play each other three times um, this year too. Same as Columbus playing three times. Um, so it's going to be a very interesting season, but early in the season, early power rankings, it's just like the old BCS bowl games. Like how many teams actually went to the BCS championship game when they started number one and two in the league? Very few. Um, there's going to be some odd upsets, but right now I have Jacksonville below Orlando just because off the win over uh, San Antonio. Now, 
so Jim, you have that same mindset. Why is Albany not number three and Orlando number not number not three in the rankings? Albany started number one. They're the defending champions. I'm not going to drop them from one to four like that off of a, a team of Orlando being in San Antonio. No, no. Do you see? Do you see? Let's let's name a random college football. Do you see Wisconsin beating Northwestern and jumping an undefeated Alabama uh, who just beat? I don't know, Clemson. No, that never happens. That's why, yes, Albany was the bigger brand entering the season. Now, is there a potential of jump? Yeah. But right now, based off of the standings, I have Columbus, Orlando, 1-2, Albany, 3, because of their loss to uh, Carolina. Uh, did I just say Albany, 1-2? Excuse me. I have Carolina, Columbus three. at 1-2, Albany yep. at 3, and Orlando at 4. But this just based off, off of wins right now, Orlando's advantage over Jacksonville, my ranking is just a win over San Antonio. Um, but they're so, they're they're that close from each other. It's not a big uh, separation. But right now, my power ranking, yes, I have Carolina as the number one team in the NHL. And you see, this is this is where I'm divulging to quality of opponent at that mm-hmm. point. Um, and mainly our preseason poll, we had San Antonio at six because they are they're stepping in with a higher up league, um, one of the one of the big three as we've listed them before. You know, they came up from a lower level, so. We wanted to see how they did. That's why, they, and they've been at six. Um, Orlando, to me, was already at my five, but you know, I need to see more proof in the pudding. Um, again, I recognize what Orlando does well, what they have on that roster. Um, I think I also want to see a week, this full week, this week, where again, I want Rakeem Cato starting. I want to see him against some of the better cream of the crop, the top four, the guys that I think will be in the playoffs right now that are currently my power rankings. Um, even with Jacksonville's loss, Jacksonville, it really came down to just a few mistakes. You know, they really look crisp. So, you know, that's kind of why I can't move them too far. I thought Orlando let things slip a little too much in the second half for me to give them a nod above Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that you're going to see them tested a lot against Carolina, which I know we mentioned a lot about how Albany and Jacksonville are kind of that two mindset competition. Orlando yeah. and Carolina also are as well. And I know that we didn't really touch on that one as much just a second ago, but don't, oh, don't overlook that matchup too, because it's a similar deal, more Ironman pure setup with the roster versus talent and being put in those positions. So keeping that all in mind, you know, that's something to keep an eye on. So the predators will get my test this week, I think is more of, can I move them above five, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't mean offense to the gunslingers. It's just, again, the team's very new. The roster has many guys coming up from a lower level league, not saying that you can't compete. You did, of course, with Orlando. And I think that you're going to keep improving every week. But for now, you know, level of competition, I can't put them above Jacksonville because they, they fought Columbus into overtime. It's hard for me to knock them all the way down to five, you know, even though there's only six teams in this league. You know, I, they're still my top four right now, and they proved it last week. So, you know, obviously that could change. This week's going to be really important, to, again, to see – you know, what philosophy stands out the most? Mm-hmm. Can guys improve? You know, again, I want to see Malik Henry take a step, of course, in his home building under pressure against another roster that should be very loaded and give him quite a challenge. Can you keep up, you know, take advantage of opportunities when you get it? That's what I'm looking at. Can Rakeem Cato, again, I want to see him start a whole game. Can we see that progression and some of the positive qualities he had against San Antonio progress with Carolina, you know, going to the snake pit? Those are things I'm looking for. And does the other question we can say is is Darren um, Darren Daniel 
on the guy in Columbus. And can he uh, continue what he did off of week one against Jack down San Antonio? And the question is, is can San Antonio fix their mistakes and be prepared for a more physical coaching staff that is Columbus and uh, Jason Gibson? And can San Antonio make possibly, I'm not saying will, but can they make adjustments where they can smack Columbus in the mouth and go, hey, Orlando's this good. Orlando's defense could be actually this good. This is why we couldn't do everything. But it's chess pieces. It's only week two. And I think, honestly, my opinion, I think the game of the week is not in Jacksonville. I think it is based off just, you know, an overall script. It's in San Antonio. What are what is San Antonio? Are they hmm. are they just oh, it's our first season, or it was Orlando actually good enough and they you know fought back? And now they're testing on uh, Carolina, excuse me, Columbus. Is Columbus still that Columbus team from last year with just a new guy? At the okay, so this is your so interesting. This is your game of the week. I don't um, want to be too biased because I know my that's my person who's bro, watching over the I, league. I see what you're doing, and yes, you know what? I, I mean, I I I mainly just want to for the gunslinger's sake with the new them being new. I want to see every week how they. Keep progressing. Keep making steps. Right. I thought I thought Javin I thought Javin Kilgo did a great job second half at operating that offense. They just couldn't. There were one or two times they couldn't finish drives. Otherwise, with how Orlando was progressing second half, whether it was t- putting Connor Kagi in or not, a few miscues. That was a winnable game with seven minutes left on the clock. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, that's what I'm curious. Like, can they keep make taking those steps? You know, we hear a lot of praise about Fred Shaw, and obviously they they made adjustments. And they fought back hard second half last week. Can they keep making that progress off off mm-hmm. on the practice field? That I, that's something I want to check out. You know, Darren Daniel, of course, seeing more. Of course, Jermon Forston. I want to keep seeing more of that guy being a beast every week too. Am I kid? Who am I kidding? Right? Yeah. You know. Plus, I he's mean, only uh, he's only second all time leading receiver in the L behind Devin Wilson. But yeah, no big deal. <laughs> yeah, no big deal. No but big yeah, deal. Uh, it's. It, it's it's week two of the action. So on the screen right now, what you see, ladies and gentlemen, is the current standings of the National yes. League. Um, yes, we've been getting a lot of people on the graphic that we have. Like, what's this for? This is what your power rank in the four teams? No, this is what no. the playoffs look like if they started today. The postseason, if it started today, Jack would be traveling to Carolina and Columbus would be traveling to Orlando, which is pretty unique because a certain team in Albany is not in this top four, but it's still only week one and it's based off point differential that's why this standing is what it is today that's where we get into entering week two where the standings and the first game that i want to get into is of course the game that i'm going to be attending because i don't want to we've already talked about earlier to just get it done um it is the owen one albany empire traveling to the owen one jackson sharks um both me and zach didn't think albany was going to be owen one entering this game we kind of thought that Jackson would be 0-1, not me. I thought they would be 1-0, but Columbus kind of shut me up again, um, like they do, like a rival should do. Um, but it's the Shark Tank. I've kind of, you know, you already know my opinion about this game. Um, but, Zach, you take it away what you think about this game here in Jackson. Yeah, so, you know, again, two, ba- two differing philosophies here, obviously. One is more based on the overall talent of the roster and trying to just – you know, base it on adjusting on the fly, really kind of adjusting to your roles, but, you know, being able to get down the Ironman scheme. The other is feeling like it's more based around Ironman and finding those that can fit that scheme. Well, 
Um, as we're looking out for you, Malik Henry, can we see Tim take another step this week, get that young receiving core along with Devin Wilson, more opportunities to make scoring plays, make adjustments. Um, in terms of for the empire, clean things up. I think that's what you're going to be looking out for. You know, you know, again, they have talented folks on there. Darius Prince, as we saw last week, when he's able to make his reads and given his chances, he can play defensively pretty well. He made some good plays out there too. Obviously they have Arthur Hobbs. They got Dwayne Hollis out there. I mean, I can keep going with names of guys that, you know, they, that are solid talents out in Albany question is, can they put it together and can they put a solid full game together where you're able to keep up with your opponents? That defense cannot be leaky for a second week in a row. Um, will Henry show that he can of course keep up and that he can play when needed to. Um, so I'm going to be watching out for that. Mike faithful. Can they clean things up? Can they, can that offensive line give him a little more protection? There are a few times against Carolina. He was getting a little bit flustered. And I wonder if that will be the case again here in Jacksonville, especially with that roaring crowd that he knows very well, that's going to be well over 7,000 when they go into the shark tank. Um, I'll tell you what, for my pick, I'm taking the sharks. I'm not joking. Um, and I'm mainly doing this because I'm betting on, I'm really just betting on that on the sharks offense, taking advantage of those leaks that the Albany empire have given that really kind of freaked me out last week, watching them play against Carolina. And I'm taking that bet that I don't think they'll be able to clean that up in time. Are you just batting tears away? <laughs> I'm so happy about it. Wow, look at you. <laughs> but no, that that's my whole that's my whole thing. I think the Sharks will be able to clean up penalties, a few miscues that are more just tightening up how you play because mm-hmm. they have the Iron Man system down. It, it was it seemed like it was fine last week. Main thing is you just you can't have this many yellow flags hitting the carpet. You know, you can't be giving away opportunities from yellow flags hitting the carpet like you did in the second Correct. half. Correct. I think they can clean that up as Devin was mentioning in our interview earlier. Um, and I'm bank, like I said, I'm banking that that defense of Albany isn't going to be able to clean it up in time and that Henry's going to find opportunities. It's going to be a tight one, just like last year's game in the shark tank, but I'm taking the sharks this year. Wow. Um, wow. Um, people up in Albany are going to hate us. <laughs> just well, going to say know, for this week, um, with all the stuff I talked about earlier about the shark tank, um, I think this game J- Jacksonville wins. And like I said, and mentioned about how the NBA playoffs are. The far superior team does lose a couple times in the playoff round. Doesn't mean that they they were going to lose a series. They eventually won a series. I think Jacksonville wins this game, um, but it's like what you said. It's going to be very close, and I think the fixing of the defense for the Albany side situation, I don't think that's a one-week fix. I think that's going to progress over a couple of weeks. They got a bye week coming pretty soon for the Albany Empire. Um, they make it to a floor stretch here in Orlando. So it's a two-step, basically. But I look at this game, overall game, the key factors, I say this. If you imagine Kendrick Ings last week in Albany, if that's Devin Wilson, Albany's in trouble. Right. That means Devin Wilson's getting wide open. If if that's Solomon, bad. If it's Naquan Murray, bad. Is that Rob Jones? It's bad. Um, if Malik Henry is Malik Henry where he was in the first three quarters last week against Columbus, Jacksonville is in a very good position. The benefit for Albany, they have Mike Faithful on the offense who's been in that building. He knows how the atmosphere is, and he still has great weapons all around. I think this is a very high-scoring game, and honestly, I don't think the, the determining factor is going to be um, illegal substitutions or nothing. I think the determining factor is going to be special teams. 
whose special teams is not going to give up that big return, whose special teams is actually going to kick a deuce, whose special team is actually going to make that extra point and not hit it or hit the goalpost. It's going to come down to special teams. I think these two teams, how Jackson plays at home, they play – you can say Jackson plays above what they are at home compared to on the road. That's usually how it does in, in mm-hmm. any sport. I got Jackson in this game, and I think Jackson wins close, very close. But I still think Albany has the better overall roster at this time. Now, if I watch both these teams live and Jackson go on Saturday, which I will, my attitude may change next week. Um, but the only thing is, is whoever expected that in week three, one of these teams could be 0-2. Mm. And that is... For Jacksonville, it doesn't get any easier. They got Columbus, then they got Carolina, then, oh, got the Empire again. So Jacksonville's next couple of games are not going to be any easier. But we both got the Sharks, which I'm pretty surprised about. Um, hey, let's go. you know, that's all I'm saying. Actually, score prediction, because we got to keep up with it oh. this every week. So mine, 60 to 58 Sharks. It's a two-point two win. I think it'll come down to a field goal, and I think the Empire are going to miss that field goal. That's Oof. just that's my projection. Oof. Um, uh, based on how the games went last week, everyone touched that high sixty, high uh, high fifties. Kind of went a little bit too overboard in the Columbus, uh, the Carolina game last week. But yeah. that first half looked like it was going to touch it, that it number. De- Look, it definitely was. I mean, the, the Cobras just didn't score in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Really, it could have been an easy sixty burger if you just get one TD. Yeah. You know? Um. Give me uh, Jacksonville fifty six, Albany forty nine. Okay. One, one touchdown difference, one possession to rule them all. I see. All right. I feel you. We'll save our game of the week for last. Next up, this Cobras get to go and ride high off a win, getting to host their first game of the year in the snake pit. They invite the Orlando predators coming from San Antonio all the way over the East coast to Greensboro to uh, have their visit to the snake pit. Um, Cobras, of course, Jonathan Bain, somewhat, you know, had a few mistakes, but like we said, was fine as receivers all day. DJ Myers continuing his tear like he did last year. Kendrick Ings just being leaky as ever and a great special teams player. What can I even say? Um, and of course, that Cobra's defense showed up when needed. Um, those acquisitions have definitely come in and have wrecked havoc this year, uh, mm-hmm. as we have mentioned, of course, throughout this show. Uh, Orlando, again, watching out for, you know, is Rakeem Cato going to play the whole game? Will that defense be able to slow down the Cobras more than the Empire did last week? Um, I think they will a little bit. Uh, those are the least bit of your headlines there you're watching out for in terms of this contest. Uh, for me, though, as much as I like Orlando's defense, that Cobras offense is scary to me. Um, it really, I, I said that I was riding high on them last week. Um, watching them demolish the empire in three quarters and then just kind of, even though it was an eight point game, somewhat coast to victory in yeah. Albany. Uh, yeah, uh, it's going to be tight. Orlando's going to be a stingy defense, but Carolina is going to overwhelm them eventually is what I'm going to say. Um, I'll give you my score prediction here. It'll be a little shorter. I'm going to say this one's, uh, it'll be a 53 to 42 contest. Carolina will pull away probably mid fourth quarter and lock it up eventually. Um, especially I think it'll be tighter. Like I said, Rakeem Cato, I think needs to play the whole game. I have said that enough this show, just don't even do two QB systems, indoor, outdoor game. I dislike them whatsoever. Just pick one, go with it. And if you have to mid game, if something's going wrong for spark last resort, but pick one guy, I think it's Cato for this, but it's going to be a two score difference. Cobras will walk away two and oh. 
Well, I'm going to tell you my pick right now. Uh, Carolina. All right. Win this, and here's the, here's my reason why. I look at Cato and the offense in Orlando. It looks like it's not in gear yet. Uh, there was moments last week in San Antonio where it just stalled out. And if you stall out against an offense like this, Carolina, Jonathan Bain's going to tear you apart. And by yes. the time you look up the scoreboard, you're down three scores. And three scores is – it's still achievable to come back from. Very rare it happens, but it can. But you're on the road in Carolina, your first road game of the season. Um, for Orlando, if you get Cato in the mix, you know, roll the pocket out like you did against Antonio a couple times. You know, get Beavers and get outlaw the ball. I'm mixing a couple of runs there with Alfred. Um, one thing I look at this uh, the, the defense for uh, Orlando last week, they did a very well, a good tendency of getting taking away the short routes for uh, San Antonio. San Antonio did capitalize on a couple of deep routes, which is the way the game's going to happen. Um, but for Carolina, what you did against Albany, Orlando didn't stop against San Antonio. That was deep routes. If Kendrick Ings is wide open again, if DJ Myers is wide open at the end, James Summers is open at the end, you can you can torch him. Mm-hmm. And Jonathan Baines, that type of quarterback, that Albany gave him time and some even plays that were very well covered, and he was putting the ball right on the money into these receivers. And, yes, Orlando's defense, in my opinion, is a little bit better than Albany's right now. That doesn't mean Albany's defense is not going to improve. But right now, I just look at Orlando going into Carolina – they're going into what I like to say a budsaw. Uh, I think Carolina is going to win this game by two scores, maybe three, possibly. I just don't. I look at Orlando's offense. I like Cato. I like how he's how the game is played. They like what you just said. Do not put Kagi in. Stick with one quarterback. I just don't think a mobile quarterback will fit in this type of game against Carolina, especially with an offense that is Carolina. That you give them multiple chances. I don't think Orlando can slow them down. But I think that determination of that game is going to happen. You're going to see you, a lot of football games are decided by the line scrims, of course. Right, right. And a lot of the games are decided early. I think this game is going to be a second quarter game where whoever, if Orlando's still in the game in the second quarter, late in the second quarter, I think it'll be a close game throughout the year, throughout. But if Carolina has a two score lead going into halftime, like they did what they did against Albany, I don't think uh, Orlando has the offense to come back against. Orlando, uh, Orlando has offense guys come back against Carolina that Albany did against, Car- um, against Carolina. So uh, I think Carolina wins this ah, crap. I'm going to say like, I think they're going to be the f- first team to touch 60. I'd say 62 oh. to uh, 62 to 50. Fascinating. You're gonna, you think they'll crack 60 on Orlando. I really, I mean, Hey, I'm cause I, like I said, I like Orlando's defense. Like they brought a lot of those top tier guys back this year. You know, but hey, this, oh, this is not a shot of Brandon Fuentes. I still think he's oh, no, a legit no, 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 guy. No. Yeah. That's not what I'm implying. You know, oh, more okay. him or Josh Jenkins or anyone oh, on yeah. that. They defense. have a good second. I just, you I just, I look at Lonnie Outlaw playing two ways. Yeah. You know, that uh, too. yeah. Or I think he's, I thought he was, I think he played a Mac this week, if I remember. I think I, I need to go watch the highlights. But um, I look at Orlando and I'm not worried about the defensive mindset. I just have a feeling that if your defense, if your offense is not scoring, your defense is out there longer than your offense, you're going to lose a game. That's a good point. And and that's why I think it's going to happen. I think I don't think Orlando's offense is built up enough confidence or has enough caliber weapons to go gas per gas against Carolina. You're, you're thinking right possession economy. That, that's exactly. what I'm looking at. You know, you know, you're going to score points is- in the ring of football. An average offense is the problem is is what Carolina showed us last week. They're not an average offense. Exactly. They have, 
they have a they they kind of think left off put the full pedal off the gas a little bit last week against Albany. They could have very well touched sixty. Oh, in my point, I was saying they're going to touch sixty-eight last week. They have the offense again. Bain is it looks pretty good. He is good condition. He looks like he's having fun again. He looked like the Jonathan Bain in Jacksonville and Jonathan Bain in Maine, not the Jonathan Bain that played in the other league. Uh, he looks like he has, <laughs> and he, uh, def- Carolina, he definitely, yeah. It like I said, dude. If the championship game was today, it's Carolina and Albany, and I still believe that no matter what the the outcome is a week two. It's just that I, I like Orlando's defense, like the guys in Orlando. It's just pretty hard to predict against Orlando. But when it's Carolina and how they played last week, I got to stick with the hot gun right now. And I got to stick with Carolina. So I feel that. I feel that. I mean, again, really showed up. Should be, I think, a fun, should be a fun contest to see him back in the snake pit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really, I hope the snake pit comes out and supports because really that first game, yeah. I think that shows you how much. Uh, Coach Rezanalo and company put into this roster a lot. They put a on, lot. You know, following up on the signings from the end of last year, saying let's continue that upward trend again. And their community outreach—they've done an incredible job getting into the community with concerts exactly. and uh, uh, little watch parties and getting the players out there. Uh, the Carolina organization has done a lot to get fans in the stands, and they—I think they—I think Coach Rezanalo and a Storm have relaunched their. I think Cobra Insider show that's on YouTube, that's on my on their YouTube page. I think that started last week, um, where you go inside with the Cobras. It's pretty. It's a pretty unique show. Um, they're doing their best in Greensboro, and then they're in the classic arena, Greensboro Coliseum. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the home of the ACC, basically. Um, they get the fan base out there and realize the Cobras there, and they got an organization that is the Carolina Cobras right now with the Jonathan Bain, DJ Myers, and uh, James Summers, Kendrick Gings, Nishan Robinson. List goes on. Uh, the team is loaded. They got a big win over Albany. I, I expect a good crowd in Greensboro and put a winning product in the field. They come just like any city in any place in the world. And no one's going to co-pay tickets to go watch a losing franchise. They'll go see a winner and a supporter winner. And I think Carolina has that team this year. And props to the organization. Also, the honey, uh, the, the what's the honey bunnies or the the. The cheerleading Co- team, Cobra um, Honeys. Your Cobra you're Honeys. Thinking. They fall. They followed us on Twitter. So hello. All oh, right. Oh, I guess what I forgot. Hello, YouTubers. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta get that in. <laughs> yeah, I forgot that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, it's pretty cool that now that league sites are now following us, which is pretty cool. I appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, uh, Coach Rez and uh, Coach uh, and Storm, uh, the owner, they've done a lot this off season, and they're not they're not playing around. Week one showed that. So. Absolutely. Should be a fun game in the snake pit final game of the weekend though. And that's going to be our game of the game of the week. As we, again, we want to see what San Antonio, you know, getting into the season more, you know, being mm-hmm. more adjusted to the side, to the, to the talent in the NAL, you know, they get to play against, you know, one of the creams of the crop, the mainstays in the NAL as they get the Columbus lions coming to town at the Freeman Coliseum second game in a row home game hosting uh, we got to see the coliseum and how it looks with that whole setup definitely more probably the most unique setup in the nhl this season in terms of uh how that layout is but it works you know it, they they did they have a good job getting the fan looking getting the fan interaction just keep building that up and the lions obviously are as we've said one of the mainstays in terms of you know not only community engagement but also just mm-hmm. building up a franchise that has consistent success um, looking forward to that contest. Uh, Jim, I'll give you this one. What are you looking forward in this contest, at least out of San Antonio? I want to look for a team that c- can correct its mistakes from last week. 
Um, they they came out of the gate in week one sluggish. And both teams did, Orlando and San Antonio did. But it seemed like it took San Antonio an extra 20 minutes in the game to finally get their act together. Um, I don't know if that's just the introduction of the IR game or the introduction of more upper-level competition from their other league they played in last season. Um, what I'm looking for, I'm looking for the more – I want to see more rhythm between the receiving cores. There are a couple of plays last week where it was a few seconds late, like a slant route, the quarterback threw it late, mm-hmm. or uh, an offense lineman didn't block long enough that caused a sack. A little, there are little mistakes, of course, penalties, and of course – or it was just a – of course <sighs> – Tile the show in legal substitutions. We saw that right. in San Antonio too. Uh, and a lot of plays that you, there was a time in that game last week. I'm like, why are we here five minutes just waiting to do nothing? I realized they were reviewing play. Didn't know they were reviewing play because the announcers didn't even say anything. It was just like dead air for five minutes. I was like, did, did my sound go off? Um, but that's more of learning the game, learning the arena game, bringing you know, people that are knowledgeable in the game. I look at this game and overall, I look at Columbus and I go, Gibson, we know what they're going to bring. We know they're going to bring a very uh, fiery attitude, a team that's going to honestly could be down two or three scores. They're not going to give up. That's not the Gibson, Coach Gibson way. Uh, he made a famous quote in the Inside the Line series where he's been up 21 points and lost, and he's been down by 21 points and won. That's a mentality that Columbus has. Columbus yeah. is coming in with a mentality. And for San Antonio fans who are getting introduced to the NAL, the Columbus Lions are what we like to call that consistent franchise they're always there they play for three championships already they know how to win and no matter if it's week two week six in the NL championship game you're not going to walk all over it's very hard to beat the columbus lions and dominate them they are an organization that will play to the very end no matter what the score is that's the mentality that i would love to see san antonio develop to see if they rebound this is also the reason why i said this is game of week this is make or break for San Antonio. I know this only week two, but mm-hmm. you have two weeks, five weeks back to back, followed by a three game road trip. Yes. You could come back to the Coliseum 0 5 before you're finally home against. And of course, that team that you're playing home to in that week is, oh, yeah, Carolina. Um, that's not good. Not a good uh, team to be reintroduced back home. Um, this is a pivotal point because if you lose this week against uh, Columbus, you're away from your house for five weeks. Not what you like to call big time for the fans. Mm-hmm. That's just a six weeks away from your home. Really doesn't, you know, that's a, that's a fan killer, honestly. Um, but I look at this guy, looking at the field itself, look at the game itself. I want to see more consistent play between the quarterback and receivers. And the defense for San Antonio impressed me a little bit against Orlando. I was, I was surprised that they gave up. That second half, they played a lot better than the first half. Oh, yeah. Made some adjustments, made some key situations. They didn't kill themselves a lot of penalties, and they fought back in the game, which I love to see. But I think that was also with Orlando trying to find their identity of Cato or Kagi at that time. Um, but we answered that question about Cato. While I'm looking into this game, it's not the fans in the stands, not packing the building. Please go to the San Antonio games. Got a good four tickets for 100 bucks. That's not. That's a great deal. Four tickets for 100 Very cheap family fun. Go to uh, Ticketmaster or call San Antonio uh, authority or people in San Antonio. Call Hector for tickets. That's what you do. There you go. Um, uh, go pack the uh, Freeman Coliseum. I look at this game and it comes down to two things. Can San Antonio fix those mistakes 
Can they be more consistent on offense? Can that defense then bring that second half performance into the first half against care of uh, first half or the game against Columbus? And I look over to Columbus. Do what you do. You play like you played Jacksonville against San Antonio. You win this game easily. Um, but when I said last week, entering the games, we had the question mark on San Antonio, what San Antonio is going to do. And then multiple questions popped up every week two to the week two. Well, most of the well, well, no, speak English. Multiple questions that popped up were the Iron Man rule, the legal substitution. Um, is Caroline serious? Is San Antonio legit? Are they just bad start? What should they do? And the other one is, oh, yeah, Columbus hasn't changed. Um, hmm. This game right here is going to come down to can San Antonio make those mistakes? Can they be competitive in the fourth quarter against Columbus and Darren Daniel and Gibson? Because if Columbus plays like they did against Jacksonville, against San Antonio, San Antonio is going to be in a herd trouble. They'll be starting 0-2 and have two weeks to think about before having to go on the road uh, to try and correct their mistakes. And I think they travel to Carolina when they come back after, after their two-week bye. So that's, not again, not a good team to start off after a bye week. Um, but I like to see the mistake, uh, see them correct mistakes. But this might be the shocker of all shockers, ladies and gentlemen. San Antonio does stay in this game. They do figure things out. It's their second game in AL. But Columbus finds a way to win the game in the second half, like they always do the Columbus way. It's okay. going to be a battle in the first half. It's going to be a battle somewhere in the third quarter. Then Columbus like, we're better than you. We have better talent. We're better coached, so on and so forth. I think they're the better team right now. But – the score is going to be unique. You're going to get that same sluggish type of score that we had in week one. I think uh, Columbus wins this game 56 to 48 final score. Okay. I've got, I mean, you took a lot of words right out of my mouth. I want to see mainly for me, San Antonio. I just want to see improvement. Mm -hmm. I'm taking this more as an eval year for them as an organization. Um, and then, again, this is a good, this is another great test, of course. Um, I think another level up from what Orlando had last week. Mm -hmm. um, and for the Columbus Lions, I mean, I want to see some progression. Darren Daniel getting a little more comfortable in that offense, you know, finding his guys on the outsides, of course. Um, defensively, I think the Lions are already have their things figured out, of uh, course. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what, what can I say? But, you know, I think it's really just about evaluating the gunslingers in this case week by week. Um, and I think they'll get better. You know, I think that they'll have another chance to get better this week. I think that they'll have a little more consistency. They had a chaotic lead up to the year, just having a yeah. bunch of rotation of that quarterback position and a few other positions. I mean, remember, they're supposed to have Philip Barnett on the outside at one point, and now that's just kind of trying to adjust on the fly. But I think you'll see a little more of a calm performance from the gunslingers. Uh, I do think it will be a little, it'll be competitive going into the, into halftime, but I do have the Columbus lions coming out 50, really 50 to 40 is what I got at the end of this contest. You'll, you'll yeah. see the, you'll see gunslinger score a little more, but eventually you're going to get one or two plays from a more talented lion squad that will make the difference in this. Mm -hmm. I think like over our pick up, we just did. I think Jacksonville and Albany would be the more competitive game between the three. And I think care, I think Orlando and San Antonio just run out of gas against uh, Columbus and uh, Carolina. But all the, overall, week two, the things I want to see in week two, just not just in San Antonio, just not in Jacksonville, just not in Albany or in Carolina. Substitutions. Let's see how these teams adjust to, did they learn from their mistakes from week one? 
can we, you know, get the flow of game to increase? Um, this is not official stats. Uh, this is just based on me doing my own time watch and watching the games. There was an hour and 12 minutes of stoppage time in week one action between the three yep. games total. That's between um, substitution violations to uh, to reviews. Um, that's not arena game. That's not the mentality of the re- yes. I can that's, deal with speed it up. I can deal with the the review times because that's just history. That's history in every league, no matter what league it is. Um, by the, except for the USFL, they found a way to do it pretty fast. Um, but I think the substitution thing—that's the thing that I want to want to kick and also kick the deuces. Just go for it. I don't care. Yeah, give the big men some time to rest when they're on special teams. I'm like, well, don't let me don't run down this field. Um, make them. I think that's going to be just in time. But overall, week two, I'm crap. This is a uh, you know we're recording during our week. Got a great had a great guest Devin Wilson. Uh, had the rewards. Also, it's just week two is here. Um, if you're in Jacksonville, meet me section 108. That's where I sit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can give you all the the nuggets that I know. Uh, which means you're not going to get any of it because you can go buy them at the concession stands right behind me for all the nuggets that you can get. Um, but no, uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to being in Jacksonville. And I just want to see those things. Two main things uh, fixed this weekend is just speed up the time with the, with the substitution stuff. Um, I, I can deal with the review time. Um, I don't want to be sitting in the game for five minutes going, what the heck's going on? Right. Like what, what, like what we're doing here. You're killing the, you're killing the vibe of the game. And also, I want to see clean football, which we did last week. Uh, we had some a lot of clean action around the league. Um, and, of course, uh, week two. And it's interesting. Shark Tank's going to be rocking. Carolina's going to be rocking. And fans in San Antonio, go out there and support your gunslingers. Tickets are cheap. Uh, family four-pack for 100 bucks. Call Hector. I'll go support the team down in San Antonio. It's been the last time for a long time, for six weeks. So go out there and support the team. I'm looking forward to it, man. I really, uh, again, official podcast the National Ring League. I'm so grateful for that. and. Hey, uh, to, uh, oh, God, we can't go. We have questions. I forgot about I'm, that. Hey, yeah. I was going to lead them in. I was oh, okay. ready. Oh, oh, I was oh, ready okay. to load them in. Okay, let me exit stage left. Look at, look at you. the questions. Guns. Look at you. See ya. You, see ya. See ya. Keep, you're, <laughs> you're just keeping me honest. That's all you're doing. All right. I just, I just, you know, it's like, oh, we had, we had a question. You're keeping me honest. That's yeah, okay. Sorry. Look, I was look. exiting the show and I completely forgot the questions. <laughs> look, I was going to give them to here. here. Let, let's get into these questions here. So we have we have one from our good from our one of our good buddies on our Discord server. Which, by the way, if you want want to join that up, feel free. Uh, that's just we'll give you the link there inside the walls podcast. We should have that available on our social in platforms description. in the description as well as these videos. So keep that in mind. Um, you can drop questions on that site. One said question is with Grady and Espinosa no longer in the league, who is the best quarterback in the national arena league? In our opinion, um, look, I'm, I already gave my, I actually answered that question on there on accident. Um, I say it's Jonathan Bain just off of week one. Um, and just how comfortable that offense looked with him there, the weapons he's got there too. Um, I mean, there's a case you can make for, I think Mike faithful, um, I want to see Malik Henry and how he develops. I've said that enough. Had a really great start there, of course. Uh, but I mean, I think even with Espinosa and Grady gone, you know, there's QB talent still is really thriving, you know, right now. So it's good to see that the NAL is still high scoring, still high pass based action, good passing games. But I got Bain right now as my number one for doing a QB ranking. Yeah, Bain, number one. Uh, to answer the, that question, honestly, um, 
the quarterbacks in our league right now are not Tommy Grady and are not Mason Espinosa. I'm going to be I'm going to stun you a little bit. I think the best quarterback in the league is still Mike Vick. I just think he just had a bad opening week. And I, I can't argue with that. You know, I think I think the two ex Sharks QBs make arguments in their own right. You know. Yeah. If the Sharks can't win, we can win from other teams. <laughs> yeah, <sure. laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, there's a couple of plays uh, against Carolina that faithful threw the football with a zip, and like, yeah, that's that's a quarterback that's going to win a lot of football games. It's just that sometimes. Depending on what type of situations happen, you lose games. You're going to happen. It's the arena games. What Devin Wilson said, we, had, we were almost up by three scores and and, and lost. That's the arena yeah. game. Um, I still think Faithful is is the best quarterback in the league, but Johnson Bain is not, and I mean, not that far behind. Mike Faithful may be on the ten yard line. Faithful's uh, Bain's on the nine. He's that right there. Um, stats wise, if you look up based off stats, Mike Faithful is the best quarterback in the league just based off stats. But Jonathan Bain in his career in the National Arena League and in other leagues, he's he's put up a re- resume to say he is the guy in the National Arena League uh, this year because of what he's done in the past. It doesn't mean what he's done this year, but off of week one's performance, he did do a hell of there are some drives against Albany. I'm like, yeah, that's that's the 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 best player in the league right now for the quarterback position. Um, and also you look at faithful and you made some decisions uh, that cost him quarterbacks make dumb decisions mm-hmm. because you know, it's quarterbacks. Um, and is there any game fast pace? And again, what you mentioned about Malik Henry, uh, keep an eye on Malik Henry. I think he was very composed in the first three quarters against Columbus. There's talent there. He, he has some couple he threw a couple passes uh, to Devin Wilson and to Solomon. And to Rob Jones last week, I'm like, Ooh, that's that can be picked off. Now look at the replay. Go, oh, there's no way that defender can get to that ball. That only receiver can get it. But it looked like it was a bad throw. He has the talent. He has the zip. Um, so overall, all four, all six quarterbacks have their own tendencies. It seems like Columbus has the semi-mobile quarterback with a good arm. San Antonio has that mobile quarterback, period. And Orlando with Cato, he wants to be a pocket quarterback with mobile tendencies, if you want to say that. But all three of the pocket quarterbacks, Jacksonville to Albany to Carolina, I think right now have the edge over the other three. Um, even though Darren Daniel just won the game, he won the game off his foot, feet, and his arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Darren Daniel fits that system in Columbus. And Columbus, damn it, just wins games <laughs> on the system. <laughs> uh, but uh, but right now, if number one overall, I think it's faithful um, right now. Um, but Bain's not that far behind. And I really want to see what Blake Henry does against Albany and weeks to come. Yeah, should be a good one. That was our main question of the week there for those. Again, feel free, drop them on our Discord. Join the Discord, by the way. We have plenty of conversation on the NAL in there uh, for, with many diehard fans of our show and of the game itself. Also right. drop your questions on our on our Facebook, or you can do it through Twitter. We try and get as many as we can and monitor all those channels to get questions on the show. That's going to be a regular segment throughout the year, so please feel free to drop some, and we'll answer as best as possible. But yeah. That, that is about it for our mm-hmm. show. Also, I mean, subscribe to our I mean, YouTube page. Yes. Because 
you get 100 subscriptions, someone's getting two free tickets. That's right. We are at currently just over 56 subs. If we get to 100 subscribers, you get to pick the game of your choice in the National Arena League that you can have two tickets to go to that said game. We'll send those your way. We are almost there. So 100, the 100 subscriber will get two tickets to the NAL game of their choice. And I mean, any of the six, so like you can go all the way over San Antonio. You can go all the way up North, all the way to Albany and all the way down the East coast. So feel free, subscribe to the channel. If you may also follow us on your favorite social media platforms at in walls pod. Again, that is at in walls P O D for your favorite podcast content from us following along with the NAL, especially if you want to check out, if you want to follow along with Jim's graphics, he makes for all this stuff. I mean, you might want to, you know, at least give us a follow on there because uh, he's been putting in the work to make this stuff for the standings, the power rankings, you name it. It's all there for you. Not you that hard, but thank you. Anyway. <laughs> I'm just saying it looks good. It looks good, Jim. It makes us look official. <gasps> oh, wait. <laughs> wait a minute. Because we are. <laughs> gotta, gotta put that little extra effort in there yeah. <laughs> but yeah feel free to follow us and subscribe thank you for tuning into the show really we've been blown away by the support getting plenty of more listeners in that we've been having more and more as the season's kicked off and you know again thanks to the national Arena league once more for making us the official podcast of the nal itself uh for myself and for jim saying so long till next week and remember one thing don't be a jack out of the box until week three Stay tuned, everyone.